Looks good. We are ready. All right, boys. Um, you know, funny thing I found out. Start there. I hate the one. I hate when we start these with like test noises and being like, so, hmm. hmm. <laughs> I like, if you listen to old PQP, the golden age PQP, and just start mid sentence. It would just start mid sentence. It's like, I think it, sometimes it's justified to use that word. <laughs> Right. Anyway, welcome <laughs> to the Poor Quality Podcast. Oh, we it's like hitting the. <laughs> yeah, you had a, it was like a hot mic situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, no. So, um, Billy Bush. They're just not real men, are they? I mean, the, <laughs> the Billy Bush. Billy Bush. That's apparently what they say in studios if you have a hot mic. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Well, I'm, I'm guessing it's relatively new. I don't know when the last time you worked in audio in a in a studio was. I I don't. Yeah, so. <laughs> also, I don't Although know if this have... is a thing anyone does or if it's just a thing David does because he, he's the one who told me. <laughs> Sounds like a David thing, but it may, it may well be true. Um, yeah. I have had access to hot mics, though, which is always fun. Oh, like you can listen in? Well, not really so much that, but when you get, um, you know, for instance, a ton of footage, you have access to every lav mic that you can hear. So when you've got the raw footage, you can hear everything even while... What do they call uh, it? A lav mic? Lavalier, yeah. Like a lavalier, like the yeah, part the of your one clothes. That's, yeah, the one that clips to you. Oh, Yeah, so, you know, often, let, let's say it's a live show and the celebrities are there. Their mics get turned down in the mix, but if you get access to the footage, you can still hear everything they say. You just bring, yeah. the, bring the audio back up. Wow. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, it's a very, very hefty NDA that you sign, mm. and uh, I can't release any of that. Some of it has been quite shocking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Without breaking NDA, give us verbatim the most shocking thing you heard and who said it. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of this. Uh, there's a great joke on Alan Partridge. He's he's hosting a radio, like a kind of shit radio show, and he does a call in and uh, he says uh, this person has written in saying that they are worried they might be a gay, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, since they they want to keep themselves anonymous, so I'm just going to use their name and location. I'm talking to Domingo in Little Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of like that if I said who who it was. Ooh, a little butterfly just popped up outside. Yeah, I like having this window open. You see yeah. the bugs sometimes. I, I saw a fucking... Oh, did you see them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're here all it's the nice. time. You got huge bumblebees here too sometimes. But um, I saw a squirrel... On, on these little branches. Mm-hmm. And it was like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, you know, where they're sort of bending the trees when they're fighting on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like that because these branches are not very strong. And the squirrel was up there. I don't know what he was trying to do. But he was right here. What? You know what I learned? <clears throat> Interesting fact. Oh, yeah? About squirrels? Well, about butterflies. Oh, uh, <clears throat> of course. Um, the- <laughs> Did you know they're sort of like moths? <laughs> they're, they're, they're really quite a bit like moths. They're really similar. <laughs> But they're not. Well, actually, uh, fun fact. They are, basically. I, from everything I've looked up, everything that we're like, this is what makes a moth a moth, is really just a tendency. And there's, like, exceptions. Well, you mean So there really is no... Like, moths are nocturnal, but some aren't. So they're like punk butterflies? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, like, they're really largely the same. Like, there are certain things that are, like, the telltale. Like, the one I always use is... When moths land, they keep their wings flat, whereas when butterflies land, they keep their wings up. Which makes them way easier to catch, by the way. Butterflies? Yeah. Well, and also butterflies, together, are, so butterflies just... are out in the daytime as well. So, Well, there's that, yeah, but I used to catch them when I was a kid. And what you do is you just wait for their wings to come together when they stop, and you just put your That's hands horrible. over them. I hope you were 
not hurting them. No, never. Okay. I was very, very careful. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, of course. Not not in a mean way trying to catch them. Yeah. But that made them a lot easier. Jesus. Sorry, the dog. Um, but that made them a lot dog. easier a lot easier to, to catch. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. I um, caught a lizard when I was young, and it, and it did its whole tail We've talked about this oh, before. I, I, same thing. It dropped its tail. And yeah, it's, that made me feel bad. Is in your in your exact words, it's a harsh lesson in rejection. It really <laughs> when is. Something rips off its own body parts. Yeah. <laughs> and I think my parents tried to make me feel better by saying, don't worry, that's how it grows back. And I was like, okay, cool. But then I later learned that apparently it's a gruelingly painful process. <laughs> For it takes to a back. long time. Yeah. Interesting. Supposedly it really, really hurts. So they don't drop their tail unless they're really freaking out. Yeah. Well, I mean... It it would be like as if a Cthulhu or a Kaiju or something came down and tried to stroke us. Yeah. I'd be like, this is probably worth ripping my arm off to get away from. <laughs> exactly. But then imagine it growing back. Yeah. I'm like, ah, <laughs> and you don't have, you know, you're a lizard. You don't have access to oxygen. And that Kaiju isn't even thinking about me anymore. No. He's just like, hey, Muriel was fucked up this one time. I tried to pet this human. <laughs> no, in fact, the Kaiju is being comforted by its parents because the Kaiju feels bad. <laughs> don't worry. It grows back. <laughs> the Kaiju is crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then years later, he'll do a podcast with another kaiju. Oh, man. And slightly regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that fuck that probably lizard's probably dead. dead anyway. Yeah, I'm sure Probably died before tail even grew back. Lizards are not long for this world. They live a violent life. They can live a long time, though, can't they? They're not no. like... Uh, yeah, they're not like most insects. The repti- Reptiles tend to live a while, don't they? Yeah, they do, actually. Yeah. like but- I mean, alligators and crocodiles live fucking ages, so... Yeah, I guess it depends kind of where you are. I feel like the bigger lizards live longer. I feel like the littler ones, I don't know, I could be wrong. But even like small turtles can live to be like 50 Oh, turtles fucking live fucking forever. It's crazy. But even the little ones, the little little terrapins, yeah. So speaking of turtles, did you know that, uh, so speaking of like not knowing the difference between butterflies and moths, Many cultures don't even have different words for tortoises and turtles. And again, so I thought it was just as simple as tortoises are on land, turtles are in the sea. But apparently there's many exceptions to that as well. Well, I've never heard Americans talk about tortoises. Everything is a turtle. If it has a shell and it kind of looks like that, I never hear an American say tortoise. They always say turtle. Whereas we have a pretty clear distinction. Turtles for us are the ones with flippers who who mostly live in the ocean. Whereas uh, tortoises have little... You know, yeah, dinosaur little, feet, little stumps. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean that that, that was always that was always my understanding. But according to someone that I was talking to recently, that was like that is not entirely accurate. Like there are many, it, much like with moths. Like there are some moths that do keep their wings up, and there are some moths that do come out in the day. Well, who is this expert on turtles? Uh, Molly, the z- Molly? the zookeeper. Oh, you still talk to her? <laughs> <laughs> Generator of content for the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, she knows a bit. Yeah, I, I would trust her opinion on it. But she was telling me that there's only one word for both, which is tortuga. Tortuga? In, I thought that was in, just the Spanish in, like, word. Spanish, yeah. I thought that was, yeah, in Spanish. Yeah, but like Spanish tortuga. biologists use tortuga to describe both. Oh. So that's like the thing about it is like it's one of those weird yeah. uh, taxonomic, taxonomic, whatever. Taxonomy is weird because sometimes. You know, for all intents and purposes, something is basically the same, and it might have a slight physical difference. Right. But then also sometimes it might just depend on who discovered it first and what they decided it was. And then people are like, well, that's a tortoise because we said it was once. Well, then again, I, I guess know. there is a specific – people specifically say sea turtle. 
when they're talking about right. the ones that flip. Well, there's freshwater and- turtles as well. There's like red-eared sliders and stuff. But they're, right. but they're still. I, it was always my understanding. But then there's a tortoise which kind of walks around on land. It was like, always my understanding that tortoises were terrestrial yeah. and turtles were at least semi-aquatic. And you would imagine that tortoises are probably later in the evolutionary state. Well, you know, it tends to be that things come out of the ocean, right? Remember in and Alice in Wonderland? Survive on land. In Alice in Wonderland, they, when he's talking to the mock turtle and the griffin. And uh, and it says something. They're talking about their schoolmaster or whatever, and they're like, it was like a seahorse or some some type of animal. And then you're like, we called him, we called him tortoise. Mm. Well, I guess you have to say it in the accent, right? So say tortoise in your accent. In a British accent, yeah, uh, we would say tortoise, right? And then she says, well, why do you call him that? Why do you call him tortoise? And they say because, because he, he taught us. Because he taught us. Yeah, brilliant. You know, it's fun. <laughs> doesn't work in an American accent, does it? Because you say tortoise. No, we don't say tortoise. <laughs> British people say tortoise. No, we say tortoise. No, we say tortoise. We say tortoise. We tortoise. hit the T a little hard. Tortoise. Tortoise. There's a person in the cast of the show I'm in right now, which we can do mm-hmm. segue there. Her name is Tulia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked her which, um, which syllable you hit more. If you hit the – is it like Tulia or Tulia? Tulia. No, I didn't think it was Tulia. Okay. But like, do you, do you sing the I a little bit more or do you hit the U a little bit more, you know? And she was like, well, it depends on what country you're in. She's like, if I'm talking to you normal, then yeah, you can say Tulia, the first part. Tulia. The, the two is more important than the Leah. But it turns out it's actually Tulia. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. It's when she's Somebody back home and she's back in her home country of Italy. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Tulia. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Well, I see what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying mm-hmm. to segue Tulia into... Tulia Ferrero. Uh, Ferrero. Oh, yeah. I got confused about this because... Yeah, not James Ferrero. I know. I saw him uh, the other day and yeah. uh, I was like, oh, do you have a sister or something in, in the show? <laughs> do, you because... a, do you have a sister with a completely different complexion than you? <laughs> well, I, I wasn't sure exactly who it was. Mm. Um, I saw it on the flyer, but then I, I didn't Apex quite figure Zenith, out. Zenith, the girl in the white. It, but there were two girls in the white and one of them is dark haired and I was feasibly thinking... Could be could be related to James Ferrero. James Ferrero is white with dark hair, though. Julia yeah. is very tan. Maybe she just tans. Well, so is he. He's a, got that. I'm assuming Italian. I suppose he is, he yeah. is Italian. Yeah. Dark hair, like very Mediterranean. No, looking. we have we have Tulia 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 Ferrero, mm-hmm. who is Italian. Is she and actually have, like full on like born in Italy? Yes. Came here. Yes. Oh, she's but, yeah. She did a pretty convincing American Aliens accent. with extraordinary... She has an incredibly convincing American accent. I, well, not I convincing. Never that's guess. just how she talks. So has she lived here for a long time as well? I don't think so because she she's have. still on a visa. She oh, was man. asking for documentation of the show for her visa. Oh, how on earth yeah. do you end up with an accent like that? I don't know. Being Italian, doing a fairly Maybe she visited American a lot accent. or something. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then we have her and then we have American-ass James Ferrero. It's yeah, not very it's, American. Yeah, it's not James Ferrero. James. <laughs> James. Is that how the Italians say it? Yeah, you did. James. James. Um, okay. Well, so you uh, see yeah. what I'm trying to do here? I do see what you're trying to do. You're trying to segue into. I, I should get the flyer. Uh, oh, yeah. Has the, I saw out the flyer. Give me one second. Nice. The program. The program. Okay, I've All just right. uh, brought out the program for Max's show, Parliament. So let's hear the thoughts. We didn't talk about it. No, I, I fucking pulled every trying. which way. Yeah, exactly. No, I came up to you once and you were like, hang on, I'm going to deliver these beers. 
Yeah, that was and the last like, I ever I'd saw never you. Never saw you again. But then I made uh, so I saw it on Friday night, and I made mm-hmm. extra effort um, to come on Sunday, not to see it again because life's too short, and also I <laughs> also I couldn't, um, but to hang around afterwards because I was like, that's a shame I didn't get to talk to Matt as much about it. I'll, I'll see you about today. Uh, and then, no, nope, yet again, there you were, swanning around, be- basking in the glory, Dude, and then you disappeared. We went to Little and Tony's. And you never came back. That cast is one of those casts that wants to eat instead of drink, yeah. and it's it's, um, it's troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I understood I'd already had lunch at uh, Bruxy's. The, oh, the restaurant let's, let's do a real review first. <laughs> Bruxy's. Are we allowed to... Uh, Bruxy, that's it. Yeah. Are, yeah. are we allowed to mention who, who our friend is? I, I don't oh, see I why mean, not. It's on his Instagram profile. Okay, yeah. Should be fine then. So our yeah. friend and uh, sometimes PQP guest, Brandon, mm-hmm. is now the general manager of a new chicken restaurant. The chicken king of North Hollywood. Yeah, he's the chicken king of North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't realize until I got there that it was... That, that location has mm. been a few things in, yes. in my time. I think... When I left, it was still called the Paleo Kitchen. Oh wow! And it was overpriced. I remember when it was the Paleo Kitchen. Yeah, it was overpriced and rubbish. Yeah, I wouldn't. I've never. I never eat around there. Max was just. I don't even know how you did that. What? Max was just casually whipped out from like under the pillow. <laughs> Although I did pocket. not. I did not stash this here. <laughs> um, a little bottle of uh, what is it? Jameson? Jim Beam. Yeah. And he's adding it to his fucking to his cold brew. <laughs> oh my lord he's become a true theater lovey he's well, become, lovey? <laughs> what's yeah. a lovey i think it's a british term for you know thespians who tended to be alcoholics oh i didn't know that so like uh oliver reed yeah he'd like that that macarthur park guy what's his name richard harris yeah, yeah. Well, i suppose they weren't exactly loveys now i guess now it's more people like stephen fry i suppose loveys because they're just like oh yeah hello darling Stephen Fry. That's what I was gonna say. It sounds more like a fop. Or yeah, a, I think maybe maybe yeah. now it is. For some reason, in my head, I always think. Oh, well, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking like a rich. Well, I assume they're yeah, called like lovies because they're like a lovey, <laughs> lovey, come here. Yeah, yeah. Either way, you know what I mean. The Richard Burtons of the world. Yeah, is it horrible? Look, he, he tried. He tried to be really cool. He whipped out this bottle and like, yeah, I'll add this to my coffee. Irish coffee. Do it every day. And took a sip and went. Ooh, oh, that's horrid. <laughs> you know what it is? You know what it is? Because I've done this before many times. Yeah. But I always do use Jameson. Oh. You should use Irish whiskey for an Irish coffee, not fucking Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> that might be part of it. Yeah, yeah, that might be part of the problem. We're getting sidetracked here, though, aren't we? Yes, go ahead. Um, so I went to see Parliament. Tried to talk to Max after. It's probably for the best that we didn't, because now we can talk about yeah, it Yeah, that's true. I can tell you everything that was wrong with it. Um, yes. <laughs> without being interrupted by by others. Um, so, Bullview Entertainment mm-hmm. presents Parliament. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, a long cast list uh, mm-hmm. separated into categories. Which is fun. That is fun. Fun so. way to separate them. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's like a little dramatic persona. It helps you, uh, helps you follow the show a little bit. Or yes. at least understand the world a little bit. If you get in there with that. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, it, it kind of helps. Although it is too dark when you get in ah. to, to read these very well. Uh, I did try. Um, so the separated into characters. Well, first of all, give a basic... What's the setting of this show? You're in the one true parliament. 
Mm-hmm. The one true part. Are you mean the setting, like the like what you see when you walk in, or the fictional setting? Well, yeah, both. <clears throat> both. You're in a you're in a theater that has two levels to it when you walk in, and there's people up in a kind of a horseshoe shape going up to the upper level, and they're standing on the stairs, largely characters. Characters, yeah. yeah. Um, all the characters are on stage the whole time, mm-hmm. which I thought was c- cool, including when you walk in. Including when you yes. walk in, right. So when you walk in, they're all kind of like doing this silent gesturing and like posing and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be prepping for speeches. I don't think it comes across. Um, some people are. Some people have notebooks that they're writing in and stuff. But mostly they look like they're posing for portraits, Yeah, uh, which is fun. Portraits became a big uh, motif throughout the show. Oh, really? Yeah. If you look on Instagram, on the Ballview Instagram, the way we've been promoting it is we release a character portrait. Okay. Every, of each character. Well, I shouldn't be doing that, but yeah. um, <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, so, yeah, the setting is basically like it's a, a parliament. It's a parliament. It's, it's a it's a it's an organization, but it's it's really like you like you you probably saw. It's really not much like a parliament. It's more like an Illuminati type of situation where they yes. where they debate with each it's other. Sort of dysfunctional one where yeah. I don't think it's a there spoiler is, to say that that the they they often don't seem to like each other very much. Um, Sometimes, yeah. Should, I should mention also at this point, before we go any further, that this is... Should we go completely balls out spoilers on this? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. so. By the time this comes out, you know... Yeah, there'll be one chance left to see it this weekend. Well, two, I suppose, right? Two more. Friday two more and Saturday. Shows. We may extend. Oh, okay. But I don't think anyone who's listening hasn't seen it. Robert saw it already. Mm-hmm. Nicole saw it already. I don't even know if Nicole listens. Um, Nate, I don't think we'll be making it out from Ohio for this one. Hit him. Justin Brink, I don't think is going to make it out <laughs> from <laughs> Chicago for this one. Probably not. So okay. I think we're safe. So safe, but we'll give you a warning anyway. If if you do plan on seeing it either this weekend or if it extend, if 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 you want to wait around for an extension, then just stop <clears> listening. We'll most likely stop not extend. Listening. It's just an idea we've been playing with. Yeah. If we sell out this last weekend, we might try to do one more weekend and give all the proceeds to the cast. Oh, that's be like a, in, invite idea, your friends yeah. and family and do like a pay what you want night, like because hopefully people will pay more because it's their fr- they know they're like act- directly supporting their friend the actor. You would hope so, wouldn't you? Well, I'd maybe <laughs> pay what you want with a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> pay what you want as long as it's greater than yeah yeah. Um, okay, but that, there's your spoiler warning. We won't be holding back. Right. It'd be impossible to talk much about the show without giving yeah. giving some things away. Okay, so you have this parliament, uh, and it's separated into uh what looks like well, I don't there is a spoiler on the program in fact. There is, yes. If so you are, I was I was when I made the program I was like, I wonder if we should wait till the end to hand these out, but I was like, Oh fuck it. No one knows or cares. There's like three people who saw this show who that name would even mean anything to. Yes. Yeah. So But even still, um for the sake of this podcast, though, I feel like we'll give it a reveal. So okay. I won't say it just yet. So for all intents and purposes, there are three groups. The interlocutors. How do you say that? Interlocutors? I say interlocutor, but apparently some people say interlocutor. Interlocutor. Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds more Latin. Yeah. Interlocutor. Yeah. Yeah. Interlocutors. Keep... They say um, interlocutor all through. We actually, we had people, there was debate amongst the cast how to say it. So I just said, just say it differently. They're all from different parts of the world. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, then you have the junior parliamentary floor members. Floor members. Sorry, it looks like moon members because mm. uh, of the terrible font you've used. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have the founders three. I used GIMP. GIMP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the founders three. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that's 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 your main setup there. So yes. yeah, as Max said, you go in and there are all these characters, and it's instantly like Alpha Fight Sake. <laughs> the first image you see is all these characters sort of standing around. It yeah. does look cool, and yeah. it looks good with the um, you, you sort of painted on some floral. Yes, that was all. That was all stuff. Meg Colburn actually. Um, oh, great little Rococo swirlies. Is that what they call Rococo? Uh, yeah. They're not called Swirtle Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> she just calls them her swirlies. Swirlies, but yeah. she says they're they're influenced by Rococo, which is usually much much more elaborate and intricate. But right. Rococo would be like the border of that. Yeah, program. I didn't know there was a name for that, but that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so you have that, and each character, well, for most of them anyway, they have a their name written. Where yeah, for standing. the interlocutors, all six of them get their own nameplate on the wall. Yeah, right. And instead of like in a normal UN where they'd have it on an actual like little plastic placard in front mm-hmm. of them, we put it in cool calligraphy painted by Frida Jing. We put it uh, in little calligraphy on their above their head where they stand. Okay, and Frida Jing plays the the maestro. So it's called the maestro, but it seems to act kind of like a like a soothsayer or with some kind of. Uh, Supernatural, but well, I suppose you're all supernatural in some extent. But yeah, isn't, uh, that, isn't she really. the one who's kind of she? The only scrying? thing she does that's really <laughs> no. The only thing she does that's really maestro-ish is she does the conducting thing at the beginning, where she gives them their right. voices and gives the stage light. Yeah, so that gave me yeah. the impression that she's the one who's like Merlin. You know, the oh yeah, the you court. know, we were going to give her a conductor baton, and then we just uh, didn't do that. So. Well, maybe it's because it's a Wolseley esque show, and I'm ex- oh, there's magic all I'm over the show. I'm expecting wizards and witches. oh, I mean, it is, <laughs> and she's also wearing a big old cloak. Yeah, she, so she doesn't look life, much yes. like a maestro, but it's fine. Oh, maestro, maestro in terms of conductor, yeah, nope, yeah. didn't even occur to me. Yeah, didn't even occur to me. I think because Maestro also sounds a bit like Mephisto or something like that. I don't yeah, know. I was I going was just with ex- Mephisto from uh, Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting wizards and witches, so I think, you know, you going, get going in with You that. get some magic in the show. There is some magic, yeah. Or some threats of magic, anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No magic tricks, sadly. Close. Yeah, well, we do have... Yeah, there is something coming up. All which, right. Uh, that, that warrants its own hour-long conversation, yeah. I bet. Um, okay, you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to kind of because I don't want to get things wrong. I only saw it once, and it's fairly dense. It's quite dense. It's fairly dense plot rise, it's wise, dense and sixty pages packed. Y- it's only sixty pages. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Um, in the first ten minutes or so, quite a lot is. Oh yes, you get a big exposition dump, mm-hmm. and there is no chance I can remember all of that. Oh yeah, no way. Um, so I will probably <clears throat> leave that to you. I, I think that, say- I think that people really only start following the show closely. Once the kind of problem of the show is laid yes. out, then I think people start to get it. Yeah. The rest, I think, is meant to be so dense and just go by in a flash that it's like, oh, well, it's kind yeah. of, yeah, it's it's not that crucial. No, the, the plot of the show is simple enough, I think, yeah. to follow. But yeah, the, in the first 10 minutes, you're wondering, oh, God, am I going to have to remember all of these names and dates? And not times? really, no. But you don't. So that's good. Um but first of all, uh, we're still at the very beginning. The show hasn't started yet. You walk in, you take your seats, mm-hmm. you, you look at the stage, you go, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, but we might have to go through character by character because um, they all look different and have pretty distinct personalities. Yes. Even if they all talk like Max Zumstein. Yes. Oops. I shouldn't use your name, should I? Ah, <laughs> fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> we're fine on this one, right? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so... You go in, they're all standing around, and the only person speaking at this point, really, I think, is you. Yes. Who turns up 
uh, you know, with his Neil Hamburger hair and uh, you, you like that a little, yeah. little homage. Oh, that was just for me. No, I mean, I did it. Every I only night, did that that night. I just wanted to look like a sweaty drunk. Yeah, you know. I, I guess that comes across. Yeah, I'm and, surprised um, you didn't realize who I was really ripping off with that performance, though. Ooh, let me have a thing. Well, it's it's funny because you've also compared this other character to Neil Hamburger. You've called him like a bottom rate Neil Hamburger. Ooh, I was hoping no one called. Oh, on Tony to this. Clifton. No, no, no. <laughs> if anything, That'd Neil... be funny if you called Tony Clifton yeah, a bottom rate right Neil, Neil Hamburger. <laughs> uh, no, who? Well, I'm glad no one caught on to this, but I suppose I can say it here in confidence. Um, the character was vaguely inspired by the... Gazillionaire. M- yes. Gazillionaire. Gazillionaire yeah. from Absinthe. That does make some sense, I yeah. suppose, yeah. It was mostly just the pencil mustache and the slick down hair. Yeah, and the kind I of flowery... Uh, he wears like a white suit. Does he? Yeah. Okay. It's like a sort of 70s leisure suit. Yeah, I, I yeah. get the idea. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes some sense. Um, and, uh, you know, naturally, of course, when, when you were there and you're being all boisterous and making friends and shucking mm-hmm. and jiving with the audience and character, of course, I had to lean over to uh, Libby and say... <laughs> Fucking stay of <laughs> Look at the fucking You came on Friday night, right? I was on a roll that night. I was like jumping around. Oh, yeah. And... You were all over the place. Yeah. There was one part where you'd kind of jumped up to talk to people in the balcony. Yeah. And uh, you jumped up with, you know, kind of straddling the, the yeah. aisle with one leg on either block yeah. on either side. And I think Antonia walked through the door to come back in and was just greeted face to face with your yeah. with your your dick. Yeah, my two testicles. And your, pe- your penis and your two testicles. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, thank God it's Antonia and not, you know, some hapless old lady. <laughs> Parliament. <laughs> oh, this sounds like a fun play. Let's go. Opens the door. Oh, dear. Right. Turns around. Uh, you're also forgetting to mention that they're out for the cost. That was the costume choice I made is that my dick and two testicles yeah, are oh, out. The, the, the entire time. Out of the zipper, yeah. I would love that. That, that is a great <laughs> idea. I've had that idea for something before where it's just like... I think I wanted Ian uh, Ian Heath when he was playing his uh, character in my shows. The, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted him to just have his cock and balls hanging out of the zipper the whole time. <laughs> Pretty fun. Yeah, I thought it would be fun, but decided against it, you know. Uh, okay, it's a so bit broad, you know? a little bit broad, but, yeah. but really funny as well. Nothing funnier. Um, it's really, there isn't much. It's the balls being out too that <laughs> yeah. makes it so funny. <laughs> um, so we, yeah, we. I, I don't know if it's normal, but it seemed like uh, you were having to fill time a fair bit there. It seemed like we had some latecomers. That you oh yeah, just for. we're just out there shucking and jiving for the pre-show. Yeah, it took about ten, ten, fifteen minutes yeah. of. That's expected in that in those theater. We never start on time since leaving ZJU. Yeah, because parking is a nightmare in that area. And I've always been always very lucky. Late. Everyone else mentions it being difficult, yeah. but I've always had a lot of luck. Anyway, then the show begins in earnest, mm-hmm. which, I, in what I would like to note, is a smooth transition. I feel like the show is quite immersive in its in the way that. From the time you walk, it's not like I come up and I'm like, all right, silence your cell phones, blackout, lights back up. Now we're in the play. Mm. Like, we're always addressing the audience as if they're really in the room. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so, like, the way the show starts is I close the door and I'm like, all right, if everyone's present, then we can call this meeting to order. Right. And then I just jump up and I say a toast. <laughs> That's the level of immersive interaction you're going to get from this show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um no, no, that's good though. I'm glad it. I'm glad it wasn't any more immersive than that. Um, mm-hmm. 
So how does it begin? I mean, it, it, the meeting's called to order, and then people talk <clears throat> a lot. Oh, a lot of talking in this one. Yes, it's a it's a talkie. Mm-hmm. It's a talkie, and uh, for the first, I remember about yeah the first ten minutes, I was thinking to myself, "Oh no," <laughs> because every character was just speaking like Max showing off. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> they were speaking, you know, in very very florid, oh yeah, dense monologues. Why would they not talk like that? They're in the one true <laughs> parliament. But if there's know, any excuse for characters to talk like that. Yeah, but it's got that kind of Quentin Tarantino problem of, you know, knowing who's writing it and then realizing every character is sort of talking like that. That's so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I make for no a little, apologies. No. <laughs> so for a little while, and I wasn't really sure if there was much of a plot outside of the initial premise. So yeah. I was wondering to myself, you know, if it would be, oh, we're just going to spend an hour or so in a room with this meeting. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. I believe I I believe so it's actually it's a play in two acts although it's only in one act because at the exact halfway mark 30 pages into the 60 page script is when the play changes rather say, drastically it's a three act play oh well let's hear about it not in terms of oh that makes sense not yeah. in terms of you know like theaters having a yeah, theater plays having an intermission or anything like that yeah. but it's got, it's a pretty three act structure yeah I suppose that's fair established turn of events and then resolution yeah that's yeah. fair uh so you're going to have to kind of go through what is said in those first 10 minutes because it is dense. I vaguely remember the gist of it, but I and can't remember exactly. It's dense and it's florid to lull you in. It's a show that really lulls you in. Like it you also gotta... pushes you out. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it comes in. Uh, yeah, we, I come up. I give my toast. The maestro gives all the interlocutors their voices and puts light on the stage. Um, and then, uh, we call the junior parliamentary floor members to the, to the dais for the time honored reading of the minutes, how any parliament meeting would start. The reading of the minutes is like a little kind of like cheapo passion play. Like, you know, like I was trying to evoke like those like traveling Renaissance groups where they would just have like little shitty costume pieces in a trunk that they'd run back and yeah. change. They'd be like, now I'm this character. Yeah. Or school play, dare I say. Yeah, or like a school play. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Julia Parliament is, uh, so they didn't have their names written anywhere. So no, I had to kind of figure they it out. sit out in the audience with you. Yeah, I had to kind of figure it out for myself. So they consist of the two Apex Zenith and Organon Langley. The Cosmic Sisters. Cosmic Sisters. So there I was about to say angels again. Yeah, that's fine. Because they're dressed in They're very similar to Michelle Dannon. They look like muses a little bit. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So they're similar to Michelle Dannon and... um, Nikki Gallagher. Nikki Gallagher in... Always got to have twins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're meant to be twins and all. Well, no. I mean, you always have to have pair characters. I mean, in the clerks. In in hallway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And they were... Uh, uh, sorry. So, except for them, you have. It seems to be that that segment of, yeah. of the uh, of the <clears throat> cast, the junior parliamentary floor members, mm-hmm. uh, seems to be headed by. I'm assuming it's Liz Mina, mm-hmm. who plays Constance Fidget. Great character, great performance. Yes, yes, and she. Well, we'll get to something later, but I, I felt terrible for what you made her have to do. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> a lot of memorization yeah, at one yeah. point. <laughs> Whilst, anyway, we'll talk about that when we come to it. Um, and then Rachel Banks as Nathaniel the, uh, the uh, Nathaniel the Usual, which mm-hmm. is probably the most Walsley by numbers 
character in the in the show just because of what she's dressed like which is funny because she's never seen wolseley i didn't dress her she made her own costume that's like absolutely come on that's not true i swear no nathaniel this Usual. was your idea like to dress her up like like a safari indiana jones no. sub character no? no well she was originally supposed to be a golfer we were gonna have her being like a golfer right and then that didn't work and like we were gonna get her like a little hat thing and that didn't work so she just kind of dug around in a clothing pile and just put on a bunch of stuff like that she kind of looks like a little butler on safari yeah uh and i'm like that's awesome that's i love Wolseley. that it's Wolseley, yeah she also <laughs> chose that every actor she that chose costume? that voice all by herself and uh she also i think the best part about her if you paid attention she decided to do this walk that makes zero sense, but she does like this weird waddle whenever she walks, yeah. almost like her legs are always stiff. She's a very good comedic performer, especially if you've seen what she looks like outside of that costume. She doesn't look like a butler. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and she oh, doesn't good. also walk bow-legged like that. <laughs> okay, but uh, it seems to, it seems like the primary character in that in that group is uh, Constance Fidget. She's the one with these, an arc, yeah. She's the senior junior Yes, parliamentary floor member. Yeah. Yes, so she makes a, a big deal about that, and she's kind of careerist. She looks kind of like a modern businesswoman, I believe. She yeah. has that dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, costume also provided by the actress. I can believe she that. She was yeah. like she she nailed it immediately. It's also kind of cool because it does look a little weird. Like it has almost like a cape quality to it. Yeah. So she was just like, I have a perfect costume for this character, and as I showed it, I was like, All right, first draft approved. Wonderful. Done so. Um, I, I I met her briefly after uh, after the show the other day, and uh, it turns out she was in Rod Roger as well. Yes, she was. A couple of years ago. I didn't remember, and I felt quite bad. She she said, oh, yeah, you'll remember me from Rod Roger. I played a girl who was kind of ditzy, and I was like, one of several. I, yeah, uh, she was she was alongside Victoria Seitz and Roberta. But I remember, I, maybe I don't remember that show very well, but I got the impression that most of the girls in it were kind of ditzy. Well, they were, yeah. That, yeah. Was, like whole, that <laughs> so was like the whole joke. It didn't yeah. narrow it down for me, but yeah. but yes, I, I believe I fully believe her. She was in it. I don't think she's you lying. know a little Wolseley continuity there, uh, or you know the extended Max universe. Uh, <laughs> That's what it is now. Yeah. The extended Max universe, <laughs> Max Land. Well, I guess this is technically a Wolseley show. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's certainly Wolseley the way you say Wolseley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, uh, it, what's it called? It, she, when she was in Rod Roger, she was longtime Victoria, Victoria Sites, aka, wow, I'm blinking on her name. It wasn't Apex Zenith. Shit. Abraxas wow. Satari? Abraxas Satari. Oh, right. Wow, I just realized how similar those names are. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a bit of uh, incest going on here. Oh, yes. A bit of nepotism if I... No. Well, Liz, no, Liz auditioned uh, on Actors Access, and I messaged her. I was like, you look really familiar. Where I was seeing you, she was like, oh, I was in ZG. I, I work at CJU. Oh. And I was Had like, you met her before? She gets recommended to me on Instagram constantly because we have a lot of mutuals through ZJU. Okay. No. But she's never been in anything by uh, Bullview? No. Okay. She's never. That's the only thing with related to any of our larger extended theater family that she's done. And did you do auditions for these? Or yes. For all characters? All characters. Because I know you have like Ian Michaels in there who you've used they still come. Times. They still come in audition. The they only person who didn't audition, audition on that stage was David Dickens. And did you audition them for specific characters or just uh, kind of in general? And then we just have them give out? a general monologue 
And okay. uh, we, I know I know pretty quick once I cast someone who I want them to play. Well, I mean, you're demanding quite a lot of these uh, these actors, especially in terms of pure memory, like pure oh, yeah. memory skill. Oh, uh, yeah. So I would be very nervous about casting people. Yeah. <laughs> Just wondering if they have the capability to memorize. I certainly wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have that capability. I'd be enough for this. Just give me, cut my lines down. You know, Liz so also, I- Liz, in true Constance Fidget fashion, was one of the first off book. Mm. It was no like nothing I gave her f- was she was unflapped. Well, she better be because she had probably some of the hardest things. To oh learn. my god, yeah, incredibly By difficult. Far, actually, part. yeah. Okay, so going back to the rest of the Julia Parliamentary. Okay, so we've got Apex Zenith, 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 Zenith. You say Zenith? Okay, Apex Zenith, Organon Langley. They're the two cosmic sisters. Cosmic sisters dressed in white, mm-hmm. uh, always appear together. Uh, Rachel Banks is the uh, Safari Walsley Nathaniel Explorer. the Usual. Nathaniel the Usual. He's usual. Oh, you know, Rachel came up with a backstory for him. Oh, really? Yeah. He was named after his dog, which was Nathaniel the Great. And he he is still trying to reach greatness. <laughs> Good that that wasn't explored in too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> in too fun. much detail. Um, and then Liz Mina is. Liz Mina? Mina? Le- Mina. Mina. As Constance Fidget, the head of that kind of group. And then we've got the interlocutors. Mm-hmm. How are you saying it again? <laughs> I say interlocutor, but you can in- say interlocutor. interlocutor. It's probably right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ian Michaels, who you may know as being the dummy from The Hallway and also the uh, Happy Husband See a Movie in the... <laughs> AMC commercials. What, yeah. what was it? AMC? Uh, Fandango. Fandango, right. <laughs> I don't even think it was a commercial. I think it was just a billboard. But... No, no, he was, wasn't he in the commercial too? He was in a Walmart commercial. A Walmart commercial, sorry. It's also a, as a happy husband. As a happy husband who's just <laughs> thrilled to get some <laughs> lawn furniture for cheap. Uh, <laughs> but here he is as Professor Tiberius Emeritus. Yes. That's a name that Max is proud of, Professor Emeritus. That's good. Very good. Uh, he's there. He's He's got his abs out. Oh, yeah. We um, can't do a show without his abs out. No. <laughs> what are we going to do? And he's wearing a big uh, duster, a big leather duster. Yeah, cool um, jacket. Yeah. like kind of sci-fi Something from Dark City, 1997. Yeah, yeah. yeah. with Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, That's what we were going for. <laughs> Uh, Megan Colburn as Temperance mm-hmm. Tempest. Mm-hmm. She's a redhead. Mm-hmm. Dan Masso. As, what? Well, what else is there? To, what else is there? To say like about to describe her, her costume? Just kind of to describe. Yeah. What? What? What she? Oh, like so she you're is. going like okay. So Ian's got his abs out. Well, Meg's a redhead. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should describe them in a bit more detail. Yeah. So, I mean, well, she's got like a big. She's got this big heavy jacket on and a red pencil skirt. And one of those kind of puffy-shouldered shirts and blouses underneath it, like a school marm, which you right. see later because she does take the jacket off at one point in the show. But let's go – okay, so let's go back to Professor Tiberius Emeritus. His yeah. thing, from my, from what I remember, his thing seems to be that he's a big speech maker and he's desperately – Oh, you're going to describe the characters. We yes. might as well. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It will get confusing if we do it all yeah. later. So um, – yeah, he seems to be. I, I'm not sure quite how high ranking he is, and mm-hmm. he seems to be fairly high ranking. He seems to be the one who came up with the idea. Yes, he is. Of, the, he's he's him and Temperance are the oldest mem- and Abigail are the oldest members of the parliament. Right next right. to the founders. Yes, but uh, character wise, he seems to be a bit ostentatious and yes. uh, obsessed with 
delivering a fantastic speech. The one perfect speech. The one perfect speech, which he is unable to do. He, well, he, he tries. A he few keeps times revising and, it infinitely. Yes, right. Right. Yes. Uh, Megan Coburn, Temperance Tempest, and she is. Well, she's his second in command. Yeah, like the she's sort of the one who uh, she's very. She like him is very idealistic. They're a team, like politically, they're a team, and uh, they're definitely. She's the her her thing is that she's angry. Yeah, like she's the more vicious one. She's the one who has killed people over mm-hmm. debates. When they had to put it into the bylaws that that can't happen anymore. That's right. She killed them by filibustering until they dropped dead. And uh, it's punishable by a small fine. No, that's that's a, that's a different A different joke. That's a different Shit. thing. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. yeah. Bad writing there. Cause it... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan Masso as Esquire Esquire. Yes. Nice little suit. Looks very modern. Looks, looks like a like like a lawyer, perhaps. Yes. But and what's his what's his thing? His thing is that he mixes up common idioms. Sayings. Yes, correct. That is pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, he's a little. He's he's not a very developed he's a, character. He's a, comic, he's a comic relief character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pops up every now and then. And I would did, say. Did the, you Google like? Common idioms, and then just sort of no, find just, ways to know a lot of idioms. Together. I also do that a lot myself. Like the ones that I always mix up are two of them. The ones that he mixed up, I always mix up the "Don't look a gift horse in the mouth" and the "Wink is as good as a nod to a blind horse." Right, <laughs> and then uh, and then I also mix up the two birds in a bushel, or no, two birds in a bush, and don't hide that under a bushel basket like i mix right. them up all the time well it's like recently uh, one of the last times we were talking you said not i said the fox oh yes yeah. not i said the fox but it oh no 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 you said not i said the blind man no no no. i started by saying not i said the fox and then you countered with uh not i said the blind man but it was supposed to be i see said the blind man, man. Right. Oh, maybe I'm so I'm just as guilty as Esquire, 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 Esquire at mixing up idioms. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Adlock, Adlock, is that Adlock? Yes, Adlock as Doctor Abigail Season, who mm. seems to be a kind of um, counterpart to Temperance Tempest a little bit. Also, seems very angry. Seems pretty. She's more dissatisfied. She's with more everything. annoyed. I yeah, think like yeah. she's not as vicious. She's got more. She's a softer character, but okay. I think that she's um, she's pragmatic. Whereas the other two are very idealistic. She's the one who will constantly kind of interrupt and say, this is bullshit. Yeah. Right. She's the one who has been like, yeah, you realize like this, the reason this happened is because it was a stupid fucking idea to begin with. Right. Yes. And they're like, no, how could you even say that? Now I think when, when you told me, when you told me (laughs) what is stupid about this and then you look around at you, (laughs) I I think you told me that she was so-called Dr. Abigail season because she is in charge of the seasons or created the seasons. created the seasons. Is that mentioned in the play? No. Okay, that's just in your head. That's a little backstory. Okay. Well, she looks kind of wintry. Yes. She had blue lipstick on. Yeah. That's about as wintry as it gets. Yeah. Um, she had a cool jacket as well. She did. Yes. Yeah. The costumes in general uh, were very good. It's our best dressed show. It is a very well dressed yeah. show. Um, then you have Morgan Lorraine as Senator Vicarious, Vicarious in American Meadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the kind of would it be fair to say the sort of sad sack of the uh, yeah <laughs> of yeah the, she's the, the really she's the she's the kicked puppy yes she's the one who's really nice and suffers the worst yes. throughout the show seemingly uh, quite unpopular actually one of my favorite lines in the show comes later 
when uh, something happens with her and your character just yeah. yells, oh, I hate Dr. Meadow. Or, <laughs> yeah. Senator uh, Meadow, yeah. Senator Meadow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines in the show. Yeah, when she's suffering the most, I'm just yes. like, I'm so, oh, in, I hate I'm so done with this <laughs> bitch. Like, Fuck this, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then to round off the interlocutors, interlocutors, uh, Tristan Ribald, is yeah. that how you say it? As Alonzo Fist. Yes. Solid name. Who is, yeah, a cowboy. That's fun, right? <laughs> Sticking a cowboy in there? Sure. Yeah. When I had the idea to put a cowboy in there, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we've never done a cowboy before. Well, There's no cowboys West in Wolseley. Destiny. Oh, no, 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 no. In my, in my stuff, it's like he feels out of place. Yeah, he does a little bit. And, I, and actually, I never... I, he, I know he has a speech where he kind of explains a bit of his story with the, mm. with the gun, but I think I didn't quite catch all of that ah. so we'll have to get to that later i can so do i can do it for you the monologue if you'd like uh, the whole one <laughs> yeah it's good two minutes yeah <laughs> speaking Maybe of those memorization uh <laughs> tricks this guy had to do for like two page monologue oh gosh yeah. yeah uh so then we've done the interlocutors the junior parliamentary floor members now we're on to the founders three mm-hmm. so that includes you as the empresario mm-hmm. gazillionaire mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're well explain explain these three then so they this is actually this is the only piece of exposition that is kind of relevant when they do the little passion play at the beginning to talk about how the one true parliament was created right we were actually we knew emperor Iresius. uh he's also known to historians as the last interesting emperor uh and he in 679 bce I mean, I'll just give you the whole. This is everything they say in the play. He goes, he goes out, and he's looking at his. What? Sorry, quick question: Why yeah. is he the last inter- interesting emperor? I just thought it was a funny title. Well, it's funny, but you realize that. Wait, wait, what year is this? Six seventy nine BC. So he wasn't an emperor. Yeah, he was. In Rome? No, in the in Iresia. His kingdom. Oh. He was Emperor Iresius. I see. Sorry. I think because you told me that it was uh, that it was kind of based on he Rome. Was, he was bit. neighbors to Rome. Okay. So they mentioned right. this. All right. So in 679 BCE, Emperor Iresius mm-hmm. was like – he was looking at his modest kingdom and he says – or his empire, his modest empire. And this is a completely fictional Yes. It's all fictional. Right. Yes. Okay. That makes and a he, lot more sense. And he stands up and he says – uh, the modesty of this, this is when Jenna puts on the little crown as Apex Zenith and does acting. Mm-hmm. She puts on the little crown. She says, the modesty of this empire disgusts me. And so he visits with an oracle and the oracle says, all that can be yours, all that you wish can be yours if you merely envision it as such. So then he decides that everything he sees is part of his empire and by transitive property, everything that everyone he sees has ever seen also becomes part of his empire. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he like the kingdom becomes obsessed with eyeballs, and he creates this gigantic empire. We talk about the actual geographical borders of the empire in an earlier draft, but I cut it out. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff in that part that David was like, you're showing off. Yeah. It's enough. <laughs> Step too far, Max. It's enough. <laughs> but yeah... Um, so they they do that and then so that's why so then that's the part where she comes in and she's like we've gouged out our left eyeballs so that you can consume our visions because theoretically if he just looks at their eyes then he owns everything they've ever seen right um and so yeah so the Arisian citizens at least in the historical in the passion play retellings they were all stoked about this and they were like let's help him out 
So they're gouging out their eyes for him and giving them to him in buckets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the uh, there starts to be a problem. The Empire gets too big and unwieldy uh, after a long period of peace called the Pax Oculara, uh, which, of course, is... Peace of the eyes? Peace of the eyes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so he then... What's it called? He expands his empire... And starts trying to come up with... Re- he realizes that the laws are all different in all of his newly conquered lands. And so he has to like find a way to mediate this and come up with a singular code of law. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's that's the interaction where she's like, I accuse this man of vagrancy, th- theft, sedition, and murder in the fifth degree. And she says, none of those are illegal in my part of the kingdom, save for murder, which I is punishable see. by a small fine. Gotcha. Uh, so... Then he gets to so he decides to task his friends, the impresario, the maestro, and the lothario for their various talents to create a parliament that will make the laws for the entire Irisian Empire. Well, the Irisian Empire falls anyway, but the one true parliament basically still controls the world. Right. So yeah, like I said, first ten minutes is a load of bollocks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's very it's a lot to ask of an audience to remember to keep all of that in mind. They don't need to. It's quite difficult. They don't need to. <laughs> it's more about it's more about like getting them into the world and the tone of the play. They don't need yes. to memorize any of that. No, but you, but you know, I think generally when you watch a play or a film or whatever, you get the feeling that information being told directly to you will be important at some point. And I guess that sort of it really no, isn't this, particularly important. Well, later on. It's a big theme of this play, information overload. Yes, I was about to right. say that it seems like there's a comparison between the knowledge thing later, mm-hmm. but uh, not essential. Not essential to really know any of that. No, all you need to know is, I mean, and you don't even really need to know this. You'll kind of figure it out, is that that's why the founders are like more or less the bosses of everything. Right, yeah. And why they don't actively vote or participate in the arguments. Okay, yeah. so you are the founders three, you're... The empres- you're the impresario, mm-hmm. uh, gazillionaire. I make sure that the meetings happen when and where they ought to. I'm basically the producer. Then and there's then... the maestro who makes sure everything stays precise and on track. And then there's the Lothario who keeps it sexy. Okay. Yes. Uh, so then there's also Frida, Frida Ying. Am I saying that right? Jing. Jing. Okay. Uh, as the maestro who we've talked about, I thought she was a wizard, but she's actually a, maestro. a, a conductor, maestro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty Aldridge plays the Lothario, who's dressed uh, kind of like a Georgian dandy, I would guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the white face paint, yeah. the, the little heart lips. And, yeah. yeah, the heart lips. That's right. Oh, God, it's the queen from Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? Wasn't my idea! <laughs> Jenna did the makeup. Okay. Organon Langley. Has he been in uh, anything else? No, he's a natural with us, though. Like, okay. We definitely want to keep him around. He really gets it. His talents are very, like... his comm- Like, he was doing that voice from the reading. Right. Like, without like without having ever looked at the script before, that was the voice he chose. Is that just, just his voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> just based on the name Lothario. He was like, oh, okay, I get it. Okay. Yeah. And there is uh, an additional character known... As the disruption, mm-hmm. who we will reveal later. Yeah. But that's your basic cast of characters, and that's the basic setting. Now, is there anything anything else to mention before there's a reveal? Well, you, you start watching them do this passion play, and then eventually they get interrupted by Temperance Tempest, who is mm-hmm. like, why the fuck? Is this like this is taking a really long time? You said this was an emergency meeting. That's why we're having it in the fucking Shitmore Theater in North Hollywood. <laughs> so like, why? Like, what's going on here? And we try start trying to stall, and eventually we cannot stall anymore. And we re- and they realize that we are just trying to stall because we're very nervous because we have to tell them 
that there's been a tragic event. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I guess before that, you have to explain the... So the this prefix. is the hardest part of the show. Yes. Is it's a strange <laughs> concept, mm. and then it's the consequences of a strange concept. Right. Right. So basically... But I mean, was it clear? I would like to hear your estimation of what happened because i think i think okay. we make it quite clear i i think it's at least clear enough to follow yeah but i'm sure i'll get something slightly wrong okay. so what i gathered and i can't remember what order it's uh told in but what i gather is the professor emeritus yes uh decided at some point i realized that all the world's knowledge cannot possibly be contained by one person well i mean they decide that they're going to gather the total world knowledge oh, okay so and then they say they how are we going to store it they have to store it safely in immortal beings, essentially. Right? Yes, yeah, someone has to memorize it. Yes, yeah. but it can't just be one person because that's they'd far go, too much. They'd go mad. They would go doolally. Yeah, so, doolally. Good word. That's a Walsley word. I'm surprised yes. that, did that never <laughs> that never made it into your script. No, sadly not. <laughs> what a pain. Um, so instead, they've selected three prefects, one of whom I've recognized from. A conversation we'd recently literally had, had earlier in the day <laughs> <laughs> about uh, Lewis Carroll's uncle. Yeah, uh, and his name is Skeffington Lutwidge. Skeffington. Well, one Lutwidge, of the other prefects right. in the first draft was named Ebenezer Glasscock. <laughs> oh, that would have been great, wouldn't it? Oh, too bad. Pity. Uh, <laughs> oh man, Ebenezer Glasscock. Was that on the one that got deleted, or was that on the the replacement episode? I believe it's on the replacement episode. Okay, good. Yeah. You'll so, get that at least. So it'll be there. Yeah. But too <laughs> late to make a, it. Too late to make it into the script for uh, that's Parliament. A crazy one, Ebenezer Glasscock. That's a Wallsley name. I've thought, you're, I've you're, thought you're about that every day since. <laughs> Uh, so, again, from my estimation, Professor Emeritus decides uh, to store the knowledge in three, you know, in three chunks in three different people. Yes. Right? Designated yeah. prefects. Designated prefects who are supposed to be immortal. Yeah. So and I kind hear. of, it's also... It's a bit vague whether they are or not, though. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone in that world is actually immortal, but they all live a really long time. Right. Like, you'll notice they talk about having done things for centuries. I mean, the yeah. parliament has been around since 679 BCE, and it takes place sometime in the present day. But I was to assume that yeah. these people, the prefects, weren't necessarily part of the parliament. And if we're talking about Skeffington Lutwich, yeah. is he supposed to be the real Skeffington Lutwich? And Yeah, I think that's fun. Okay. But I don't expect most people to recognize that name. No. <laughs> but he is a real person. Yeah. Um, and uh, but, but I'm assuming these prefects weren't part of... Were they part of the parliament or were they just sort of found and I think selected? they were found. This is something Meg asked about the script too. She was like, how were they chosen? And you were like, shut up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's been my answer to a lot of questions about the, the script. script. Now. It's dumb. We don't need to worry about... Don't need to worry about the hows and the ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, first script that spends most of its time explaining everything. Yeah, (laughs) someone has a question. Don't ask them. Shut up. Don't need to know. (laughs) All right, but yeah, in in your in your mind, are they supposed to be uh, supernatural in some way? Everything in the show is a little bit supernatural, right? Um, I would say that my estimation of everyone's mortality, at least everyone who's in that parliament, is that you will live basically forever, but you can die if something hurts you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're immortal unless you You're immortal killed. by default. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As um, well as the Lothario, he has exact line of dialogue about it. He says they are immortal. They can just be rendered mortal by certain unmortalizing events. Right. And in this case... It was. He slipped on a cube of ice. Skeffington Lutwich, i.e. one-third of the world's no, it wasn't knowledge him. holders. No, no, no. He was, he, he's still alive. Sorry. Who was it then? 
he only gets mentioned by name once. Okay. Uh, so there's Remedios Varo, who's also a real person. It's a painter. Okay. Um, she she is one of the prefects. She's the she's the Lothario's prefect. Skeffington Lutwidge is the Maestro's prefect. My prefect, the one who slips on ice, mm-hmm. is uh, Monsieur Gustave Consortium, the great architect and scrimshaw artist. That's a fake name. A I fake imagine, person. Yeah. <laughs> Gustave Consortium? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's then revealed that yeah, yeah, once the, the world knowledge... Because uh, that's the only place we had it stored. Was, yes. <laughs> so it's as, like if the Library of Alexandria burnt down, but it was just one person and he slipped on a queue of ice. Yes, exactly. Right, right so... Um, they're all panicking about this because that means essentially a third of the world's knowledge is gone. Yeah. Forever. Because someone especially emeritus and temperance are panicking about this because this is their life's work. It was work. their idea. It was their life's work. But it, yeah, and it's flawed yeah. because, right. you know, yeah. there was nothing to say. That's their if you're kind storing of... all your, it's like storing it all on three floppy disks and then. <laughs> yeah. And then you lose one. one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so Abigail is it Ab- Abigail season? Yes, Doctor Abigail season, especially critical of this idea. I think yes, and has been the whole time. She was the yeah. only person resilient enough to survive Tempest's um, uh, filibuster, filibuster the first right. time. By the way, favorite detail about that filibuster: she never went off topic once. Her her argument was so meticulously detailed that she never had to go off topic during her filibuster. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was so long that people dropped dead. Which also, no one has questioned, but I'm like, well, they are kind of immortal, so I don't know how long this filibuster fucking went. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Could have been centuries. Mm. But I also, my my theory was that it was before they had passed in the bylaws that you're allowed to uh, go to the bathroom and eat and drink during meetings. So (laughs) So they could have had a break, but... Yeah, so they didn't. So, like, they just died of starvation would be my guess. Okay. Yeah. Um... So again, correct me if I'm wrong in the sequence of this, but you're sort of forced to reveal that. Before or after this reveal, is it that you try to stall by offering us some entertainment? It is after. We're not it's stalling. After. We're not stalling. We let the, we let the interlocutors adjourn. Because we basically okay. say, here's the issue on the table. Both parties go to your separate corners, talk about what we're going to do about it. And in the meantime, okay. Constance, give us some entertainment. Right. Now, this is the show-stopping moment. Uh, it's rough, yeah. What do you mean rough? Well, it's rough because I was just watching it and thinking, poor, poor girl, you know. Oh, dude, she gets so much applause every time she does that. Was she fucking better? Yeah, yeah. She- so what? What it is is Constance Fidget, mm-hmm. uh, the the head of the junior, very floor ambitious members. character. Ambitious character is called upon by Gazillionaire to do. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to go Google Gazillionaire and be like, wow. <laughs> She's called upon by, by Max's character to uh, do some entertainment for, for us, I guess. But Yeah, for um, everybody. Yeah. And that involves standing on a little crate and doing... Deus. A dais, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> it's not a crate. It's a nice... It looks like a nice wood, heavy wood uh, bedside table. It's an apple box. And <laughs> It's an Amazon packet. Uh, yeah, so she stands on that and has to recite this incredibly long poem. Yes, yeah, not long. Like, it's it, only a page long. It feels fucking long, and it's very, very... It, it's, it's like one of those... It feels long um, in a good way, though. It feels long in the way that tricks get more impressive as they go on longer. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. It reminded me of a lot of things. A bit like, uh, you know, that Element song or the yeah whatever. But it's actually more, rather than it just being a list of things, it's quite a dense and well-written poem. Yes. Did you write it? Yes. Oh, well, then congratulations. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, this seems like, it seems like something that might exist. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a, a word. Exercise. I'll say this. It was the last thing written in the show. I knew that I wanted to have little a little break for, like, entertainment in the middle of it. Um, and so in the script, which you'll hate the script if you ever see it, because it is written <laughs> with chapters. Oh, brilliant. Not with chapters, but with sections. I would actually love to see the script if you allow yeah, it. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Please send it to me. It's written with named sections. And that one is just called Constance's Gambit. And so, it, but then it's just blank. It literally goes like Constance Gambit section <laughs> section five. Do something. It says like con- section five Constance Gambit, and then it just goes straight to section six. It right. doesn't say what happens. She had to write that separately. Yeah, and it took me a little bit longer. So she actually only had about a week to memorize that. Oh gosh. And I, it's easy to memorize because it rhymes. Things that are rhyme are easy to memorize. I can do it right now. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have it. Aberdeen ignited with exceptional alacrity, a passionate acrobatic show with absolute veracity. When Aberdeen then asked about the appetizing ecstasy of absolute distraction from an agent of pure entropy, antiquated animals exacted a reaction that would abnegate the occidate and germinate olfaction. They said, Aberdeen, you really must have only half the passion if you really think the bread and butter builds on the old fashion. Aberdeen then mounted a vernacular extraction to exacerbate their antiquated acrimonious actions. He said, I will talk my way into a zealous satisfaction if it means my tongue is bleeding at the frenulum. Exactly, said the bilious bar who bordered on a barony of progress, which begat a boisterous bisection well beyond bizarreness. But binaries are basically a bicameral product, so it stands that simpletons will not be smitten by their process. Instead, they devote manuscripts of symbols and cigarbons to the charting of the manifold desires for which manuscripts, for imagining an actualized exacerbated harbor for the torrid stones that go unturned is truly such a bother. Then the Lothario starts yawning, mm-hmm. and I run up, and I'm like, it's boring, right? What she's doing is boring. She's also, st- it's much more presentational, the way yes. she's, she's stomping it. It's like a little song. The audience clap along. They're all yes. fucking off taking pills you're not yeah <laughs> yeah it's, oh yeah they're rocking out it's like it turns into stomp on yeah. broadway <laughs> Wait uh, for the drop so then uh we're like can you spice this up a little bit and then her little buddy nathaniel usual comes up and hands her three tennis balls mm-hmm. and she starts juggling while reciting yes aberdeen surprised a certain surly son of satan when the serpent centered squarely on the center of sensation uh siphoning the smallest semblance of a sinewy cetacean he sermonized on centaurs who survived domestication and violating vikings of inviolable violence Violence, who vivisecting the voracious and vituperative violence. Verily, it falls on me to vindicate the silence, but the vicious swall was varicose, and please may I remind us, and then she slows down for the last verse, she says, Aberdeen was learned, but inept and inexact, abundant with redundance and recumbent to the last, but wheresoever Aberdeen found skills that he did lack, the glory of his oratory put him back on track. Yeah, she did it better, but... Oh! <laughs> but it's very good. Yes. That's really good. Thanks. Well, Tells a little story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. It was super impressive. Do to the point where I was like, is that, did he really just write that? Do a little humble just came brag. Out of nowhere with that. A little humble yeah. brag. Wrote it in about two hours. No, really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. You wasted on your profession. What, which one? Teaching or fucking? Well, dri- driving Lyft for one. But oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should start doing that in your car and it might go viral. <laughs> hey, uh,. Bit of traffic on the way to the beach, but yeah. uh, would you like? To <laughs> have hear- you heard the Ballad of Aberdeen? <laughs> would you like to hear a poem <laughs> that I have scried? <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. It's fucking awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, and as was a lot of the dialogue. Uh, yeah, I can't remember a fucking word of it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, really, really impressive, and, it's, and is- especially impressive that she's doing it 
And even more impressive that she's doing it while juggling. Well, yeah. that was something Ken that... would be oh, fucking be, over the moon. Oh, well, yeah. And you know what? You were there on a night where she didn't drop a ball. Is that jacket leather, sir? <laughs> oh, he's that type of vegan now, too? <laughs> Take it off! <laughs> let's see those abs. Well, what's fun is... Uh, <laughs> let's see them. You must be on the Cray Ray diet. <laughs> That poem was fine and all, but have you heard Clay Aiken by Pendula? <laughs> Where I rhymed the word cure with Koala Lumpur? <laughs> um, no, so the, the poem I was very proud of. <laughs> he also rhymes underwater with imprimatur. Really? Yeah. Oh, is this like, was he trying to do complicated rhymes? I- Either that or, or he rhymes. was. Either that or he was like, "Well, I got the bit about spending being in Donald Trump's company, being like spending five minutes underwater. What rhymes with underwater?" So he goes something like, "Begging for Trump's imprimatur, but a there few minutes with Trump feels like being underwater." I don't even know yes. what imprimatur. I've never heard that word before. Isn't it like seal of approval? I believe it. Judging on my basic Latin, knowledge. yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about yeah, right, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Constance Gambit is an absolute show-stopping moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the play. Probably my second favorite moment in the play. Maybe the first. Oh, I'm curious what you're, what's competing for the, the interrogation scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, I think we're getting towards we summarizing that. this whole play in order. <laughs> yeah. All right. They, yeah, well, this is like the walkthrough for people who won't be able to see it. Exactly. Right. Although it really doesn't, you know. I should try to publish doesn't the lend script. It's, doesn't lend itself to walkthroughs, does it? Um, I should try to publish the script is what I should do. Sure. The high school theaters can do this shit. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Fucking, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. It's difficult to get that kind of notoriety, I guess, but um, it would lend itself pretty well to, to a high school production. It's simple to put on. It's simple to put on. Everyone gets to have fun doing yeah. it. Like, it's pretty equal distribution of roles. It's not. Yeah, like, that that was something I worked very hard yeah. on. Is I wanted there to be no thankless roles. No, you don't have anyone being yeah. a tree or no. anything like that. <laughs> Although that would be Walsley. <laughs> it would be, <laughs> Walsley. be on brand for Walsley. <laughs> I might work that into my next play. <laughs> yeah, what what else is similar to the Hobbit? Uh, uh, Ents. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll have some have some tree actors. Uh, all right, give me a second to get, get another beverage, and then we'll continue. Oh, can I get one as well? Yeah, of course. I finished my Irish coffee. Yeah. Leaves it nice and light. Nice yeah. And light. Nice. Thank you. So, so the show-stopping moment has happened. Yes. Uh, and all downhill from here. We come back, and no, this is, this is the <laughs> slowest part. No, this is actually where... This is the slowest part of the show. Oh, but okay. it's where some of the best writing is, I of think. Course, yeah. And it's also where uh, things, the kind of the emotional stakes start coming out a little bit more. This is the heavy part. Okay. You're going to have to remind me. Okay. So when they come back is when they start the arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, actually, no. When they come back, there's another little gag before that. They do the submission, the ceremonial submission of facts. Yes, I remember this bit. The, the, yeah, the, this this was one of the worst bits. Um, no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was very Max-esque. Mm-hmm. Um this includes people submitting facts. So the idea of so, it is that they can shape the the world, right? By well, no, they're literally just trying to regain the lost knowledge. So what they what they decide oh, is right, okay. what they say is like, okay. So we lost the knowledge. What are we going to do about it? Right? Emeritus, who wants to preserve the prefect system, his idea with his team, Temperance and Esquire, mm-hmm. is that they're going to go around the room 
in order and everyone say one fact they know. Okay. And then everyone takes a vote on whether or not that fact is true. And ah. if it's deemed true by the parliament, Esquire writes it down until they all go around until they've said every fact they know. Right. <laughs> and right. then they have a big document. That's it. That's they, it. they write the document in duplicate, send one copy off to each prefect. The prefect crosses off every fact that they know already, and then they send the remainder to a new prefect to train them it's a good system you know so uh, it's the system consuming now but... you see how simply and efficiently the system works right. says esquire <laughs> so what follows really is a series of characters saying fun facts yeah and a lot of it's animal whimsy as well as dude raccoons are the only creature capable of jealousy yeah that was a good one yep well that one was voted not true no and it's not well i mean <laughs> uh, so the voting decreed what else is there what, what, what were some of the other ones submitted uh it was the ones that got submitted were okay so it was i have some fun animal facts i'd like to get verified all right so it goes we'll go around the room from most to least intelligent this is meg is so cool in this scene when she's standing up on the dais she's like we'll go around the room from most to least intelligent and we'll each submit a point of fact we will vote on whether or not those facts are true blah 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 uh, and then everyone is like, that seems like it's going to take a really long time. But then Meadow is like, Ooh, which is funny because she's supposed to be on the opposing team, but she's just too excited to share mm. animal facts like her writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she gets all excited and she's like, did you know that raccoons are the only animal that can feel jealousy? Temperance kind of stares at her for a minute, looks out to the audience, says all in favor, and then turns back to her and says, that's not true. Mm. Uh, then the next one is, um, Continental plates drift at the same rate that fingernails grow. Mm -hmm. uh, there are enough species of insects to outnumber all terrestrial species three to one, which he said the line wrong and it made the fact untrue. <laughs> he said terrestrial or otherwise. And I was like, no, there's not. I think there's probably more aquatic species. Right. Um, but wait, when you say he said it wrong, you mean the night I was there or he's been saying it night? wrong for the last three nights. Okay. And... <laughs> I don't know if it's really my place to say anything because <laughs> it's okay if it's as wrong. The director of the show, you mean? well, it's okay if it's. <laughs> I don't know if it's my place to correct. It's okay <laughs> if it's wrong. I mean, we're, we're voting. Yeah, and I don't think anyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then uh, and then the other one is Texas is the only state that has ever been its own country, and thus is the only state that's allowed to fly its state flag at the same height as the U.S. flag. On is a that flag actually? Pole. I was wondering about that. I was like, well, was California? That's to be underneath. Yeah, so California was never considered its own no. territory. Its own. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure about no, that. No, what they it mean by that by... is what they mean by that, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is after the Civil War, right. Texas briefly became its own country oh, before right? rejoining the Union again. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So those They some... wanted slaves that bad. Fuck yeah. <laughs> they were like, no. <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually didn't know Texas was uh, – I mean, I know there were slaves all over the U.S., but I didn't know Texas was especially known for it. I thought it was more – No, I don't think that – it was everyone the, in, the, in the South, but in actuality, it may not have been I, – I don't know. I assume it was about slavery because most of what that stuff was about was about slavery. seems to be, doesn't it? But um, what it was actually is that the states – all the southern states in Reconstruction – when they when the southern states formed the confederate states of america the confederacy they it was, you know that's obviously treason when they gave in when they surrendered in order to get back into the union they had to redraft their own state constitutions and submit them for approval right. and they had to include an amendment that said they wouldn't have slavery otherwise they weren't allowed back into the union which would obviously be, be 
progressively more disadvantageous to them if they were I don't, is disadvantageous a word it can't yeah. be yeah anyway it would be progressively sense, more yeah. detrimental to them i guess right. as the confederacy got smaller and smaller because like they don't have the system anymore i see yeah well, I mean, to give them benefit of the doubt, maybe with Texas, it wasn't the line about abolishing slavery. Maybe it was the line about no longer can you execute retarded people. <laughs> they were like, fuck that. Yeah, they were like, this why? Is, this is what God, we do. Not this. This is what we are. You know, it's a fun <laughs> fact, actually, that um, the amendment that often gets criticized in debates about illegal immigration, which is the the amendment about how if you're a natural-born citizen, if you were born in the USA, you're immediately a citizen of the USA by yes. birthright. Yeah. That was written in Reconstruction to stop southern states from trying to abridge the rights of black people once they were not slaves anymore. Oh, I see. Yeah, so like the, 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 um, the Republicans in the North were like – they were. It was just this constant conflict during Reconstruction of like they'd do this, and then the Southern states would try to skirt the laws somehow, and so they finally just pushed that one through. Where they were like, if they were born here, they're a citizen. They can vote, they can go to school, like they can work. Right. They have all the same rights as everyone else. You can't do like any of this three fifths shit anymore. Yeah. Well, the good old days. Of the yes. Confederacy. Ah, the halcyon days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so... You know, Meg Colburn is from Texas. Yeah, you mentioned. Yes. She's a Thuzi. That's right. Yeah. Yes, she's I've a I've still Thuzi. not said more than one word to her, so I, I haven't managed to talk to her about... About you know, coasters? Yeah, about her favorite arrow looper. <laughs> I can't... I, please just go up to her and start talking... That's full, all I was talking about. Yeah. Full technical jargon, because yes. there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Only the most... Autistic people. Of course, break runs. Yeah, or nay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or nay. All in favor. <laughs> yeah, you can let her throw a few of those facts mm-hmm. into the into the. Submissions. Oh, she does it all the time now. Whenever yeah. we talk, she'll when it, instead of saying fun facts, she'll always be like point of fact, and then I'll and then I'll hold up my pinky. Oh god, what an awful influence you've had on these people. But, oh, uh, dude, it's fun. When we were at all at dinner one time, oh god, no. we were all at dinner one time. We would literally like when we're trying to get each other's attention, we'll be like, if it pleases the floor. Uh, oh, it's awesome. The other table was like, could you ask them to keep it there? <laughs> we're if we enjoy, were in Texas, those people would all be executed yeah, by exactly. <laughs> Where I come from. <laughs> Wouldn't have any of this. Um, all right, so submission of facts, done. Bit, bit of whimsy there, bit of jokes. Bit of whimsy, and then... Um, they do enough to where Abigail Season cuts in and says, point of fact, this is a, one of my favorite lines in the – my favorite exchanges in the show. My second favorite exchange in the show is when Abigail says, point of fact, this is absurd. Temperance says, that is a, that is a statement of opinion, not mm-hmm. a point of fact, and thus will not be cleared for submission. And I remember that. Yeah, this, yes. this sounded like a, like, a, like a Reddit argument about atheism. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part is she says, ah, but your appraisal of it as opinion is technically factual, so I will take your fact and yeah. submit it as my own. Thank you. And Temperance yells, give it back. <laughs> Comma farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that. That was yeah. oh, give it back. No, it was fine. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah, no, that's funny. But yeah. It's th- funny to watch someone get pulled into something so childish so quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, so that was good. Uh, is this about the time where Constance Fidget introduces the, the next part? Well, then Abigail has to give a whole thing. That's where it starts right. getting very heated. Okay. So it starts with, first of all, I'm just, we're just, this is a whole episode just talking about this show, I guess. Yeah. It starts with um, 
Emeritus giving a monologue that I think if you read it in the script, you would quite like. Because uh, it's very Thoreau-esque. It's quite difficult to... Kind of hear and... Well, yeah, with, with his style of delivery, uh, it's sometimes difficult to I've discern heard, every word. I've heard this criticism Because he's before. doing a sort of southern accent. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting choice. I, I actually like the southern accent. It's fine, but you, but you also have the cowboy there who's delivering the southern accent, you know? so They're different accents. I know they're different, but yeah. it, it, it's a little difficult. Like, I guess yeah. he's giving more of like an Abraham Lincoln-style like old yes. presidential yes. delivery. Yeah, that was what he was going for, actually. But it's a little um, difficult to... To hear I think complex. that I think that so when he did the line through, he kind of did the exact voice he would go for, just like kind of Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Like if you read it on a page, <laughs> and like that kind of like it's like an old British man, like an old British orator. Okay, right, yeah. and that's what he went for. And then I think he just decided he wanted to make a different choice. It's over now. I'd like to which I think was fun because he kind of does like a lawyery quality to him, but I think it makes the character come off kind of shysty. And I wanted the I, I wanted the character to come off very sincere. So that's maybe no, I, I'm only, at, yeah, yeah, I agree with your criticism. Comes off, of he comes off shysty. Yeah, 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 like a mm-hmm. little bit. Well, yeah, kind of a nept and sleazy and yeah. kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah, which I guess isn't really what you're going for. But no. so, wait, so wait, is this him trying to when he starts trying to deliver a speech? Yes, that is a good bit. Why is that? Well, the, the best bit about it. You know, for a while, it's like, oh, right, Ian Michaels is coming down and he's acting now. Mm-hmm. But there's a bit, and I don't know if he ad-libbed this or if this is in the script, but right at the end, right as he gets cut off, mm-hmm. he says something like, like an acidic Jew trying to hail yeah, a that taxi was, that, was his, that was his ad-lib. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Good. Fair play to him. Yet another fucking, yet another Ian Michaels ad-lib that got more notoriety than the script. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, that, that, yeah, that made me laugh because it's not. It's not. Um, uh, what you? What would you say? It's not. It's not really highlighted. It's not dwelled upon. It's yeah. just he kind of gets cut, cut off as he's saying yeah. it, which made it kind of even funnier because you sort of barely hear it. Like a Hasidic yeah. yeah. Jew trying to hail the taxi yeah. and then goes, she cuts him off. Yeah. yeah and he, well, I think you'd like the speech because I was really trying to channel like. I was trying to channel Hawthorne, but I was also trying to channel Thoreau. Yeah, they were no, I didn't like the speech. I just like that. Yeah, you did. It, you no. taxi cab it is a natural <laughs> proclivity of the human animal that he should seek intellectual sustenance wheresoever he can procure it. And save for matters of safe self-interest are involved. The natural world has never has scarcely been anything less than generous in her uh, welcoming of the prying eyes and probing fingers of man's inquiry. Uh, the good blah 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 has got a font of wisdom and spirit to man uh, of wisdom and counsel to man's agonized spirit blah blah, blah. good shit like Great a speech. Hasidic Jew hailing a taxi I'm cab kill myself <laughs> <laughs> so Roe would have been improved by it too like you're, you're, in, you're in good company <laughs> <laughs> talking about you know, Ian is like a, a political punch up writer yeah, for speeches and he just keeps his... adding in that line to everything <laughs> no but it would have been good because he's always going on about like the people on the train tracks or whatever and how yeah. they live blah, and the Indians and the teepees if he'd also you know talked about farming his beans and yeah. living a blissful life of isolation and then, and then casually mentioned <laughs> a comparison to medicine <laughs> trying to hail a taxi, a taxi cab, cab. <laughs> It's just a funny image. I, I, I don't know what he was going for with it. I don't know what. Just, just thought it was funny. It is funny. Yeah. It is funny. I'll give him that. <sighs> good. <laughs> good. Good, good. <laughs> Worked yeah. hard on that speech for it to be <laughs> undercut by a Hasidic Jew hailing a taxi cab. 
It's better. Yeah. <laughs> I was fuming. You see me fuming yeah. backstage oh, in my little grease paint mustache. Well, it's interesting that I, I considered that that might have been an ad lib because I was like, that's, that's almost funnier than Max's. <laughs> There's no way this is Max couldn't it's have written oddly this. funny for it's this It's too yeah. funny. <laughs> this, is, this is too hilarious. Uh, yeah, no, that was, that was a funny little ad lip. I like that. Uh, uh, so, so, so then it gets cut off. Yeah, Lauren Adlock, as Abigail season comes down and gives a fucking showstopper. Just fucking out there. Fucking big shoes to fill after the Hasidic Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, yes, man. <laughs> then, okay, so finally, Jesus Christ, we're halfway through the show now. Uh, four That's hours fine. into we the recording. Time. He's getting um, mad now because I'm, because I said something that someone ad lib was funnier than what, what he wanted. <laughs> funnier? <laughs> yeah, funnier than your throw bit. <laughs> yeah, you should have seen me ride the throw bit. Oh, 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 this is going to be a rip this tickler. This is a hot one. <laughs> a rip tickler. <laughs> but then Ian Michaels goes, not quite funny enough. I'm gonna just <laughs> casually throw in something that'll make it a hoot. And he did. He boy did he. He, <laughs> he went and done he it. Fucking delivered. Yeah. So I was the only person who laughed at that though. By the it way, makes you feel any better? By the I, it does. By the way, um, that scene also has one of my favorite monologues. Which to me, this is what I'm talking about when I said I wanted that idealistic side to feel sincere and not shysty. Is because Temperance gives a monologue also where she justifies the decision to store the knowledge in a human mind. And it comes from this deeply like humanistic, almost like exalting the human mind to a place of divinity with mm-hmm. her monologue. Where she says like the human mind is the only true miracle. Yes, yes. I and uh, and uh, sounded like Joe Rogan. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's like, have you ever heard about DMT? <laughs> uh, great, great scene. Great acting from both of them. They then fucking... there are some more animal facts. Do you know the chimpanzee? Joe Rogan would like this show. <laughs> I submit that a chimpanzee is the meanest motherfucker. <laughs> Point of fact. Jamie, if it pleases the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. See, all, uh, you know. A poor I mean, quality parliament would be good, actually. This was the first draft. Get you all know, you'll people. remount yeah. it and you'll incorporate <laughs> it out. You'll incorporate all these ideas. Yeah, you know. that's good. It'll entirely be, there will be now a new member of the cast who is a Hasidic Jew constantly. <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt that, but yeah. Um, anyway, so. so um, yes. Well, they can read that monologue when I publish the script. But uh, you can buy it from Penguin Classics. Yeah, yeah when it gets published immediately as a Penguin <laughs> <Yeah>. Classic, straight <laughs> in there. Criterion Collection put it out too. For even we're going to start publishing books now, like yeah. plays and stuff, just because um, of those. Yeah, so that was that's the whole thing where she talks about because that's true. The whole thing about how like the great Odyssey, like the Odyssey and all the great Greek myths were all just done by recitation and memory. Yeah. And like, you know, and I uh, love a lot of DMT, bro. What did she say? She has a great line in there where she says, like, entire fabrics of human civilization held together only by the alacrity of the griot's tongue. I love how he says she has a great line, knowing full well that he wrote it. He's, <laughs> he's sitting there, like, waving. She delivers his, it very well. Waving his hand around as he recites it, going, oh, yeah. That, uh, by she the way, did have a great line. That's the most fun. That's the <laughs> Which most, I wrote. It's the most fun part of having all the characters on stage. I get to be on stage just listening to my own dialogue I know, all night. Like, God, I was oh, looking at you yeah. sometimes being like, oh, God, he's fucking loving, loving it. Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
can't imagine anything more uncomfortable for, for my for myself, like wow. being around while people are saying things that I've written. I'd be like, you got to get a little less humility, brother. Oh yeah, I got to I got to slide around, in. yeah, <laughs> jumping, yeah. Yeah, jumping up and down. You got to enjoy what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's good. That's good. Um, uh, so anyway, so finally yes. now the show starts to <laughs> now the plot begins. Starts to hum along. <laughs> yes, yes. We get first act exposition, second act story. Um, Exposition part two. Yeah. So, finally, we go and take a vote after all this argument. Abigail's idea is we're just going to abandon this system. It was a bad idea to begin with. We're just Mm going to drop this. Like, we don't get to know. We lost it. It's our fault. We lost it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, The practical solution, which is like, there's nothing you can do, but we should stop this system. Yes. Because it's just going to happen again. So just accepting that you've lost a third of the world's knowledge. Well, in many Oops. ways, it is a play about coping with grief, right? Mm-hmm. And the different mental gymnastics you will do to like navigate. What do I do if something is actually beyond my control? Yeah, like like a Hasidic Jew trying to hail a taxi cab. <laughs> <laughs> the taxi cab doesn't stop. It's beyond his control. What's he going to do? So... Constance Fidget stands up before the vote starts, and she says, oh, actually, I think I have a solution that you guys might not know yet. Uh, And she says, there's been a man traveling up and down the continent Mm -hmm. claiming to have total world knowledge. He may or may not be wearing a fizz. He may or may not be wearing (laughs) a fizz. He's billed in the newspapers as the man who quite literally knows everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, and she says his name before he's introduced. His name is Leopold, Leopold Thackeray the Third. Now, I remember Leopold Thackeray from Betwixt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the the fez wearing David Dickens mm-hmm. who walked you into the show mm-hmm. and said a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he also turned up in the ARG, I guess, but I think that was mostly. Just you. I don't think well, he David... was also he acted oh, he in did, it as well. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He did one of the shows that you did at your mm-hmm. at your apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's downstairs with Shannon. Mm-hmm. Now, at any point in this part of the Walsley lore, was he supposed to have known everything? No, this he is... seemed to know nothing at that point. I think that what was going on. Well, one, he may know everything, but he's still very stupid. That's the beauty of him. Mm. But two, um, <laughs> this is this is his next adventure. Because okay. at, so the end of the, at the end of that ARG, the Wolsey Institute doesn't disband, but it's clear that Jonathan Everett, Winifred Carrington, and Leopold Thackeray III, which are the three Wolsey professors who are kind of guiding the whole thing, mm-hmm. have been forgotten about or abandoned. Right. Because they were sent out on location to Site 4850. Yeah. Which turned out to be a bit... Oh, so, so Site 4850 is... Was betwixt. Yeah. Yes. And then they are still living there. The entire ARG is about them living there, waiting to receive word back from the Wolsey Institute about like their transport back home. But they're living in kind of like a shitty accommodation. A shitty, yeah, yeah, their accommodations are a shitty apartment in North yeah, Hollywood with cheeses on the yeah, wall. cheeses on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, yeah, that was set design. You say, but yes, I, I don't think it was. <laughs> I think that's just what it was. So yeah, yeah, so that's what that's about. So at the end of it, he basically wanders off. Like literally, that's what they talk. They say about Leopold is that he wanders off, right? And that's also what happens at the end of this show. He kind of just wanders off. Yeah. So we're, so, so we're to assume that after he wandered off, one of his many adventures, he yeah. somehow 
I mean, yeah, we're not rushing too far ahead to say that he obtained total world knowledge. Total world knowledge. Yeah. By meeting each of these prefects. Yeah. At various points. Yeah. But at just, first, we only know that he met the one he's who's just died. wandering around. Yeah. 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 So he's brought because he met the one who slipped on an ice cube. Yes. Well, and, he met all of them. Well, yeah, but we don't find that out until a bit later, do we? Well, we just know that he has total world knowledge, but he actually mentions okay. the living one. Which is right. Skepik and Ludwig because they were both. So that's the, why I was they were both in the, they were both in the Arctic. Yes, because he. Well, that's why. So at first they're like, "Oh, you met one of the prefects," and then he says, "Oh, and then also I met two of his friends." Right. Yeah. And they're like, "What?" Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if this guy's met and talked to all three prefects, it's actually very plausible that he might have total world knowledge. Yeah, and he seems well, actually, to know everything. Yeah, well, I've actually, I've got a question about that later because yes. something seems to happen when you obtain. So one knowledge mm -hmm. that hasn't affected him. So mm -hmm. I, I have a question about that because mm -hmm. I, I can't remember if it was explained or not. It is. Um, a okay. single line of dialogue. <laughs> buried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of buried in the din. It's and, shouted over something, yeah. Yeah, and Ian Michaels is still talking about the city, <laughs> So everyone's distracted. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sean was still laughing. He I'm was still, still like, doubled oh, over his good. Um, <laughs> but that... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but that all comes a bit later. So in the meantime, I think uh, it's so it's, uh, as we say, Constance Fidget suggests that you bring this man in. Yes. Because he has total yes. knowledge. So yes. blah, blah, blah. Um, and some people are. Everyone is like, no. Yeah, they're not ridiculous. happy with that idea. But then she goes and does it anyway. She already had him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to bring him in. And like, she was like, I went and met him. And also he's here. And I brought him already. Okay. Because right. Apex, Zenith, and Organon Langley pull him out by a leash. That's right, yes. Yeah. So then you have uh, David Dickens, and he's wearing a fez. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So this is the most fun part of the show, is where they, they go to test if he actually does have total world knowledge. So they put him basically to a lie detector test. Yes. But the lie detector test is a gun that only right. fires. It'll only fire a bullet if the person isn't telling the truth. See, I didn't get that. I didn't get that from the speech. Yeah. See, I didn't understand it. He made it sound like, oh, I'll never use this again because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then he hands it to um, right. Meg. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't yeah, you didn't notice quite... that they kept clicking it and it wasn't – nothing would happen? Yeah. Yeah. Did you understand I, I think, why? No. I missed, See, I missed I thought that, that so, so here's the thing. I was like, I wonder if I need to add another line of dialogue that makes it more clear. Because the only thing he says is if someone ain't telling the truth, she'll know and she'll set it right. But if someone is telling the truth, well, you could put this baby right in your mouth and still be safer than a box of kittens. Yeah. So that I, might go by a bit quickly. And also it sounds kind of like cowboy, you know. Nonsense. Jargon. Yeah. yeah. Like, it could be like. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, you know, it's unfortunate. I asked about this and I said, do I need to put in a line? That shows that he's telling the truth uh, or like that, that explains much more explicitly. And the person I asked was our test person, which was Brandon. And he said, no, nah. I got it. That's cool. No, I got it. Yeah. Lie detector gun. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it didn't come across for me. It may what you talk to other people. It may well have come across for them. I, yeah. I probably, I may have just missed. We're 50, 50 at the moment. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I may have just missed that. That little. Well, I think even so, the scene plays it didn't, it didn't because matter. the scene plays yeah. because you think that they're going to shoot him if he's not telling the truth, and it's actually Alonzo who knows whether or not he's telling the truth. Yeah, that's sort of what it reads as anyway. Sure. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. I, I got the idea of what yeah. you're up to anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but they it's a start... fun concept. It is. It's a fun concept. So that's they... the most betwixt element. Oh, that's the most betwixt scene in the play because it is just one guy giving yeah. a long monologue telling his story. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um. And so it follows that there are a bunch of 
uh, everyone's asking him questions. Yes. They're just asking him, you know, and random he, And he's getting trivia. every answer right, yeah. And he gets them all right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What were some of those questions? I remember one. I remember I all of them. Well, I remember the one about the Sting concert. Yes. <laughs> the largest gathering of people. Uh, uh, so they are in order. It's, um, he mentions Faust and he says, that Faust story, what are its origins? Mm-hmm. And then he gives this whole long-winded thing. He says, who invented the Fez? He gives a whole long-winded thing. Yes. And then it starts tweeting up. It says, how many suction cups does an octopus have? It says, which octopus? Giant Pacific. 2,240. Uh, the question is, yeah, how many such cups does an octopus have? What's the largest recording ga- recorded gathering in human history? What's the largest unrecorded gathering in human history? What uh, <clears throat> What is the square root? Oh, how tall was Julius Caesar? Mm-hmm. What is the square root? Uh, sorry, what is the atomic weight of the second element in the periodic table when numbered out, when reordered alphabetically by abbreviation. So these are basically customs close. Yeah. And, and what's the square root of 64? Right. Right. Yeah. Little, little post-it notes you had around from betwixt and the whole way. No, no. (laughs) They have things they could ask. They don't ask you things. They ask you unanswerable questions. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so it's a little a little different. I am into questions. <laughs> My questions. It's and a recurring answer. motif: is people being asked questions. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, he's able to answer them all correctly, yes. of course. And, and then he's they tell him, "Tell us something that the prefects told you that mm-hmm. no one would ever know." Like basically, tell us something that only a pre like some basically tell us some deep piece of world knowledge, right? That no one would know. And we're going to verify by telling you the truth is when you're whispering it, we're going to fire this gun on you. Mm-hmm. If it fires, then we'll know you're lying. Um, so he goes and he's like, all right, but they told me I shouldn't tell too many people because it might make people go insane. So let me I just maybe I just tell one person. Right. So then Vicarious Meadow, the kicked puppy, she's like, ooh, whispered in my ear. I love learning. Mm-hmm. So she clumps chomp, she down the stairs, holds her, holds her ear up to him. And then there's a cool little blackout and a scary ambient noise thing. And her face drops. The gun doesn't go off. Everyone freaks out. Yes. And she's... And she says, I think I'd like to go lie down. Yeah, she's ruined. Yeah, she's ruined to buy it. Right. And then uh, and then we black out again. And when we come back, instead of Leopold Thackeray being all tied up, he's like being fanned and massaged. Yeah. And he's got a jar of honey he that he's drinking honey, out of. Yeah. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, specifically, biggest... he specifically asked for it, didn't he? My biggest influence, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it's up there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then uh, now we've got... Uh, I keep forgetting your name, sorry. Um, Who? Which one? Vicarious Meadow. Oh, yeah. She's, she's all so sick. She's, all she's just up. sick on the stairs. Yeah. She's just not um, feeling good. So, no, so what happens next is then they're like, all right, so this guy's got the world knowledge. Emeritus gives another speech about like, oh, it's a blessed day. We've gotten this second chance, blah, blah, blah. Another taxi cab coming. Another- <laughs> <laughs> he comes down and he's like, all right, Leopold, tell us everything you know. Right. And Leopold's like, uh, about what? And he's like, yeah, anything. Start from the top. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, did you? And he just says facts he knows already. They realize, they start to quickly realize that he can't really say anything he knows. You have to ask him a question. And so they're like, well, we, we don't know what to ask because we don't even know what he knows that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So they start getting frustrated with that. And it's proposed by Apex Zenith and Organon Langley that they, using their kind of magic, can do this thing to him where if they touch his temple, he just That's says right, yeah. every single thing he knows. Yes. But the consequence of that, they say, him, it, it will kill him. Yeah. It will drive him. It will like, they, they describe him like he'll shrivel up. Yes. And just die. 
Um, uh, a quick question here. Hmm. Why would they not just be happy knowing that there's, all right, well, here's this person who holds all the world's knowledge and seemingly isn't suffering from it. Is that not a good enough replacement for the three? They do propose that later. Sorry, I forget. The all founders right. propose that. Right. So Emeritus is is being, you know, like anyone who spent centuries building a life sword. He's like, no, it, it has to be three still. Right, okay. Also, he wants to be one of them. So he's like, just give the third of the world knowledge to me, right. and then we'll send you on your way, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, then, um, but the founder's idea is we'll just get rid of the other two and make this guy our one guy. Yeah. But then they start fighting over who gets to be his ambassador, mm. uh, et cetera. Right. Okay. So yeah, that that does get proposed. Okay. Later. All right. So I found a plot hole. There, nah, nice try, bitch. Nah. Airtight. Basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So now they're like, all right, what do we do with him? We can't get the information out. And then Abigail is still like, well, look, we can't fucking get it out of him without hurting him, and that's not right. So like, just let him go, and let's just disband this system. Because even if we did make him our prefect, one or one of the three, he's he's gonna slip on ice eventually too. Right. So you know. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all. That's how the show ends. Okay. No, they no. they they can't they can't get it out of him. They they argue a bunch. Um, oh, they actually go back to debate. They go back to debate positions, and then you think Vicarious Meadows is going to get a big moment finally because she stands up to because so they go up there like okay, well we're going to either do this thing that Apex and Organon say we can do, mm-hmm. or we're going to do whatever else, right? So let's debate. Abigail gets to the floor first. She says, this is a humanitarian issue. I'm going to cede it to my humane ethicist floor member, Vicarious Meadow. Vicarious Meadow stands up to talk and just barfs into her hand. Yes. Uh, She vomits this black bile. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, what did he tell you? And she says, I don't know. It didn't even sound like words. But once I heard it, I just knew. And they're like, what did you know? Human detritus or something like that. Not yet. Oh, not yet. She says, well, they say, what do you know? What did you know? And she says, I don't know, but now that I know, it's like I can't stop knowing, and it's making me know other things, like it's contagious. Right. Uh, and then she goes and lies down again, and we don't see her again until the end. By the way, that bit where she suddenly vomits is the bit where my favorite line comes in. Yes, where I wander. I I, we, I hold up my glass to her to give her the floor, and she vomits, and everyone goes, ah, oh, and I say, I hate Senator Meadow. Yeah. Yeah. At least it was my favorite line until I remembered the... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. yeah, so that happens, and then, I don't know. They, oh, they argue a bunch, and then someone else... T- oh, they argue a bunch, and Leopold Thackeray loses his temper because we start proposing all these different things, including cutting him in threes yeah. so that we can each have a piece of him to be ambassador to. he says it's a bit much. He says it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> he gets mad about it. And then uh, he's like, he starts threatening people, like, I'm going to whisper something in your ear that you don't want to know. Right. And the Lothario is like, oh, please. Like, you're not yeah. going to do shit to me. I'm a gazillionaire. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, Lothario is yeah. uh, yes. uh, Ty, uh, yes. Ty Aldridge. Ty Aldridge, yes. Okay. So he gets whispered at, and then he needs to go lie down. Yes. And then um, Esquire is like, I can handle it. And he obviously can't. So the, the gazillionaire, damn it. The Lothario <laughs> comes back in. He vomits immediately. Yes. Then they go like, okay, let's write down uh, Esquire will be stenographer. He vomits on the pen, on the paper pad. Uh, and it just turns into chaos. Fidget and Nathaniel <laughs> kind of grab him. They put their hand over his mouth so he can't whisper anything. Yes. Apex and Organon are about to touch him. And then there's a blackout. And at the top of the stairs is Vicarious Meadow returned. 
Mm-hmm. And then she's like, she's ascended now. Right. She gives a whole monologue about how she's the detritus of an expanse of human consciousness and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Good shit. You ever heard Love of DMT, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And then and she then... comes back and then they kind of all become these little like whisper zombies. Zombies, yeah. Yeah. And um, we're going around whispering to each other. Mm-hmm. And then... It, Paul it, Thackeray at this point is just sort of... He just runs off. Away. Yeah. He runs off in the darkness. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't look, you don't see. So, did we ever answer why he was able to hold all this knowledge without any ill effect? Uh, the answer given in the show, I have a more in depth answer, but the way it's explained okay. in the show is, he says we need to stop before he drives this whole parliament mad. Like, uh, so Emer- Emeritus says we need to have Apex and Organon do their thing on him before he drives this whole parliament mad. Mm -hmm. Abigail says, if they make him say everything he knows out loud, he will drive us all mad. And then he says, and then Temperance says, well, then why isn't he mad if he knows everything already? And then uh, Abigail says, because he's very stupid. That's it. That's that. That's the. Uh... Well, the idea for me is that <laughs> it was. It comes from a thing that Meg Colburn says in person, which she says, "I don't know how to read. I just have a lot of words memorized." Mm. Which is basically his his thing with total world knowledge is he's like he's got all these. That's why he doesn't know. He can't generate. He can only answer questions, right? Because right. he has like this archive of facts in his head, but he doesn't connect dots between them. Okay, so he doesn't actually have any true intelligence. He's not capable of like abstract thought. He's yeah, just... he can't synthesize right. thought. Okay. He just knows facts. Okay, that's... so he's he's protected by his own stupidity. Sort of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, it's like a fun little commentary. Yeah, on the nature of intelligence. Yeah, you could say that. You could say it avoids a plot hole too, but yeah. does not avoid a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a workaround. But so no, they no, start, I get it. Yeah, so they start go, They all because everyone in the parliament is really smart. Mm-hmm. When they when they hear one fact like that, that's why when he, he doesn't say it out loud as much as I want him to. But the way it's written is is when the Lothario hears it, he goes, "Wait, but if that's true, then that means yeah." But wait, then. Oh no! Yeah, so yeah. like that. So like it's just about connecting dots. So it grows in your head like a cancer. And this I, knowledge. I, I, maybe, perhaps it's you when you when you get whispered to. You say something like, "You don't say." Yeah. And then go es- insane. Esquire yeah. says that's too interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cosmic sisters are unaffected. Yeah, they seem to know everything already. They're fine. Which also begs the question: Why are you bothering with all this other shit? When they don't, because I don't think because the Cosmic Sisters are like no one really knows how they got there or like what they do. They don't seem to vote. No, they don't seem to participate. They're just kind of there. Yes, and like it's also they just when the whole parliament is collapsing, they're just watching. Yeah, sitting down and watching. It made me wonder if they were in on malicious. It. Of yeah, oh, they're definitely. I don't think they're malicious. I think they're they're very they're very much they're very similar to. Um, Aporia and Lacuna, which is that they're completely amoral. They just want to be entertained. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And they, and like nothing affects them because they're just too, they're just too crazy. All right. We're in the home stretch. Jesus Christ. This is like when I used to work for haunting. (laughs) (laughs) You had to, yeah, I don't know how, how you did it. I knew when I was watching it, I was like, oh, fuck. I know I'm going to have to talk about this. And I'm not sure I remember everything and every. Order. It is a very dense play. It is. Yeah. To its credit. But when you mention things, I remember them again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're pretty much at the end here. Oh, yeah. Well, I did want to mention, I mentioned this briefly to you after after I saw it. But the, the, the whole finale basically involves people being whispered something... 
Mm-hmm. Presumably going crazy, shitting their pants, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making them go crazy and shit their pants, um, and kind of like a like a virus, like a, like a contagious mm-hmm. disease. Um, and it reminded me a lot of a very famous Monty Python sketch, which I think is known as um, the funniest joke in the world or the funniest joke ever heard, yeah. which involves. Um, I, I think it's used as a tactic in uh, in World War Two where. Uh, people go around just whispering this joke to the enemies, and it's so funny that they essentially go insane and are rendered incapable, incapacitated. I've never seen Monty. Oh. Pi- I have seen Monty Python, but I've never seen that sketch. I'll tell you, like all the I can name all the Monty Python sketches I've seen on one hand. There's well, we the, don't need to. There's no, the we, arguments thing. Yeah, well, which one? The one that is like a, you can go into an office and have an argument with someone. Uh huh. That's a funny one. That's sorry, I've, I've just sorry. I've just remembered what the other the other thing that reminded me a little bit of was mm. the end of Creepy Island, in the same theater. Doesn't that have a relatively similar ending where people are slowly turned into? Well, that happens throughout the whole show. Yeah, but at the end, I seem to remember it happening to more and more people until there's only one left. Uh, I no, I think I think you are wrong. Uh, by the end, it's it's like. Everyone, there's like still 20 pages to go when everyone but the quartermaster and the captain have been turned into lovers. Okay, lovers? Oh, so like siren lovers? Yeah. Yes, okay. So everyone has, everyone is a pirate and every pirate has a lover. Right. Um, Very similar. No, actually, <laughs> actually you're wrong about both of them because here's what it actually okay. is. It's a ripoff of church discipline, the first one. Uh... When you see... Apex, uh, fucking Apex, Vicarious Meadow come out at the top. That is meant to be an evocation, a theatrical homage to the great Brandon original of Zenobia Rose Tucker Tucker. bursting in from the lobby backlit. Turned into a demon of some kind, Mm -hmm. possessed by a demon. No, an angel. No, so you go to hell. In the first church discipline, which people forget is much more like conceptual than all the other church disciplines yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, you go, go to, to you a, go to church, a church, church service. You go to a church service. They do their then... church disciplines. Then the service goes to hell. The devil turns... The pian- the old lady playing piano turns, turns out to out be the to devil. Be Hank Steelhammer playing the devil. But mm-hmm. th- that all begins when Zenobia no. gets possessed. No. No, it's not Zenobia that gets possessed. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. You might be right. I am But right. what ends up happening at the ending that I'm talking about is that Zenobia, as an angel, yes. comes in and saves the day for the lobby. Zenobia, Jen, and Jetta, yes. as angels, but all come in and save the it day. it begins with her being possessed and delivering a kind of similar, like, I am the fucking blah, blah, blah. Well, hers was probably improvised. Uh, yeah, it was something like, I am the demon Dasaroff, and I am... Yeah. Fucking was it, I'm the, expan- I'm the detritus of an expanse of consciousness too great to be associated with anything you've ever known by a name? No, it's much less shit than that. Oh, <laughs> bullshit! <laughs> no, but that was... So that's what you had in mind. Uh, I wanted something <laughs> like that. I wanted like a big burst. Of, I originally wanted that to be lit much better, but we just kind of ran out, ran out of time. I wanted it to yeah. be like a big beam of light behind her. Oh, I see. Um, but we would have had to do kind of like... It was cool. She had some like face paint on or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then she starts walking down the stairs at Alonso, which by the way, this is why you're supposed to, this, this joke doesn't work if you don't realize <laughs> that the prevaricator only goes off when something is lying. Right. So she starts coming down the stairs at Alonzo and he starts trying to fire his gun. It just keeps clicking and he says, damn it, she's too true. Mm. And then he gets God. <laughs> right, 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 right. 
Um, yeah, and uh, so Leopold Thackeray kind of disappears, and then you're all essentially zombified by having received this bit of knowledge, and you start stomping up the stairs to Ian and Meg, uh, Professor Emeritus, and I keep forgetting her name. Temperance, sorry, Temperance Tempest. Tempest. Best name in the show, Temperance Tempest. Apparently not. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so they're standing up there, and he finally... Seems to be able to, it seems like he's about to deliver his speech, right? Yeah. So basically what it is, the big, you know, the big touching moment at the end is Abigail, the pragmatist, runs up to them and she's like, we got to go. And Temperance says, we're founding members of this parliament. We're not going anywhere. We're going down with the ship. And she says, this parliament isn't going to exist anymore. And Temperance says, then neither will we. Mm -hmm. And Abigail says, I don't understand. And Temperance says, that's because you're very smart, Dr. Season. Mm. And then Abigail runs off. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that, yeah. Little maudlin. Yeah, a little bit. But that's cool. It's fine. It's fine. It works. Nice little emotional moment yeah, at the end. Like, I've always respected you. Because, Well, no. She's basically... <laughs> no, to me, it's since the whole play is about this battle between like a pragmatic and an idealistic approach... It's like that's the beauty of idealism is it's not the smartest thing, but it's the most principled thing. So she's like, yeah, like I get why you're not – I get why you don't understand and it's because you're really smart. Mm. Like you're doing the right thing, but we're doing – like you're doing the smart thing, but we're maybe doing the right thing. Oh, well, yeah, that, that came across. No, no, to me it just <laughs> it just seemed like, uh, you know, oh, these people have been bickering the whole time. Well, that is the point. They are yeah, bickering. Yeah, yeah. They are bickering. I did want them to like each other by the end. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a comment on the nature of intelligence. That's, the entire show is a comment on the nature of intelligence. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> but you know what the most disappointing thing is? Also, my first draft is. had them making out at the end. Like like for 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> did uh, David reeled it Hero, back? Hero, Hero course card. His, yeah, that was yeah, his, his punch-up. Wouldn't it just be cooler if... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it was actually rem- remarkably smut-free, the, the entire show. The, the, I don't think there's anything in it that's a bit I a bit tried blue. very hard to write an asexual show. It, I, it is that. And most of it's my shows are rather rather sexual. So Are they? Well, like Betwixt was described as sexy in reviews. By who? But that says, a girl looked at him. That says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was a sexual show at all. And neither was uh, uh, The Hallway. Certainly wasn't. Have you seen a Braxis Satari? Well, you're the you're the only one who seems to think that. <laughs> I was just listening to what she was saying and stuff, but um, yeah. So it, that's that's the ending. You're, you're kind of closing in. It's like Night of the Living Dead or um, the Thriller music video, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're both up there. And yeah, so the ends. idea is that the idea is that he's his one life. So he says, "My life's work." Looking down at the Parliament, I'm like, "Oh, it's all going to shit," right? And then. She says, not all of it. And then he's supposed to start reading his speech again. Yeah. Because he's basically... It's not even supposed to be that he's delivering the perfect speech on the way out, because I'm sure he didn't get to finish it. Mm. It's more supposed to be that he's like, well, this is what I know how to do. Right. And so I'm going to die doing something I know how to do. Okay. A true... I mean, really just exactly what it is, what it looks like. It's the people going down with the Titanic. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, he gets interrupted, and there's a blackout, and... It would have. I mean, it was a good ending, but it would have been better if, in the blackout, you then just heard like a Hasidic Jew <laughs> trying to hail a taxi cab. 
You know, there was a there <laughs> was a bounce. little there was a little uh, Marvel post credit sequence originally, but we cut it out. Oh, really? Yeah, it was originally that the, there was a blackout, and um, because what originally was supposed to happen is in the blackout. Leopold was supposed to disappear while everyone was distracted in the blackout and just leave his hat behind. Oh, so you were going to have the him... stage is cleared and he just comes back and gets his hat and puts it on and then kind of uh, runs off again. That's disappointing. I thought you were going to have him uh, laying on a laying on a, a beach chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a coconut with <laughs> yeah, a straw exactly. sticking out of it. <laughs> Do you remember that Parliament? <laughs> yeah, that's how most of those kind of things go. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was Parliament. That was your walkthrough for all of you who couldn't see it. So, yeah. what are your overall impressions? Are you speaking to the listeners? Or? You? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a postcard. Let yeah. me know. Um, uh, no, I thought it was very good. Uh, like, yeah. I, like I said, uh, the beginning ten minutes or so, I was like, "Oh Christ!" So this is going to be the hallway dialogue, like mm-hmm. the hallway monologue stretched out to an hour with no scene changes and mm-hmm. no interact like we uh, we yeah. are just gonna watch max talk to himself right um so that lasted for about yeah like i say the first 10 minutes i was like oh dear um but then it yeah it, it tied itself together and also justified how pretentious it was mm-hmm. which was i mean fucking thank god right because right. yeah it, it's fine to have that kind of um, ostentatious, shall we say, dialogue when a lot of it is a comment on like the the um, I mean, like, well, you said it's a comment on intelligence, but it's also a comment on like kind of pomposity and well, yeah, I mean, it's absurd. Arrogance. It's absurd how people can only talk like that in an absurd world. Yeah, yeah, and also it reduces knowledge to you know, even though it, it places a lot. Of, <laughs> And uh, emphasis on on the importance of knowledge and like how valuable it is. It also reduces it to something kind of stupid. In mm-hmm. the end. like, well, at least in my mind, like with with it yeah. all being contained within David's character, it's like, yeah. well, and and a lot of it being kind of trivial too. Like, well, that's it the, really is just trivia. And that's yeah. the idea also is that like it's like thirteen of these very smart people who have like worked who take themselves really seriously. Yeah, being upended by a complete dummy who literally asked backwards his way into this thing that they've been working their whole life. Right. To kind of protect. It's kind of a Mozart Salieri thing. Sure. Where it's yeah. like someone's like, oh, I'm like doing everything the right way. And then this like idiot comes along and does it just right. naturally does it much better. Yeah. 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 Um, you yeah, know, I, I, I would agree with that. And I, think, I also uh, cut out the scene where um, Emeritus makes uh, Leopold Thackeray's wife take her tits out. Do you remember that scene in, in Amadeus? No. Have you seen Amadeus? I have. Of course I have. Yeah. I'll say, of course. I hadn't seen it till like this year. I think I was the one who told you to watch it, though. <laughs> I thought you'd mm, like it. Maybe I know David has also been recommending it very strongly. For, yeah. He says it's like one of his favorites. I don't but, remember. Uh, I don't remember that particular scene. It's we. It's weird. It's a weird scene because it makes Salieri rather unsympathetic quite early in the movie. I think he's he quite like, unsympathetic to begin with. I. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like even when he's ranting in the in the um, where was he? He's in like a some kind of mental hospital or a convent. Yeah, and like the framing narrative. Yeah, yeah. He always comes off as you know. Yeah, but I get someone. Kinda... I'm like, oh well, that's he's been driven there. But like at the beginning, you see he goes to Mozart's wife, and he's like, well, if you want Mozart to have this opportunity, then you better come fuck. Oh, I, yeah, I do. And she's I like all remember. demure, and yes, then she yes, she ends yes. up doing it. I do remember and that. And she, like, takes her tits out or whatever. Like, she gets fully undressed, and she's, like, 
on the verge of tears. Mm. And he, I'm guessing because of whatever religious or like repressed, whatever he's like, fuck off, get the fuck out of here. Oh, he calls in the service. He actually humiliates her sexually. He like, he gets her undressed and then he rings his bell to call in the servant. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. And he's like, get this woman out of here. Yes. 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 Uh, it's a PG. You know that? No, it's not. It is. At least it was released as a PG. I think that's a hard R dude. No, PG. That's not. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah, you can look it up. I know this movie came out in the 90s, so it's not like... No, it came out in the 80s, but... um, Did it? Yeah, before PG-13. Amadeus? Yeah. I think you're wrong. It's like 84? I think it was a lot more recent than that. I think it was like 97. No, no, no. 84, maybe even... I don't know. Have a look. You know, I was under the impression for a long time that the title track in that was that song that's like, Amadeus, Amadeus. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's weird. I thought it was a song commissioned for, I thought Come Rock Me, Amadeus. was a song commissioned for Amadeus, the Milos Forman movie. A fitting companion piece to the (laughs) movie. I was like, that's weird. That movie must be weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, check it out. See when it was made. I think it was the early 80s. Yeah, you're actually right. It's 1984. 84? Oh, I was exactly right. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got it. And it was a PG initially. I think there has since been a director's cut, so it may have been V-rated. But it was a PG at the time. Well, it's definitely... I mean, there's big titties in it, so... Yeah. But then again, Airplane had titties in them, too. That's and that was true. A PG. And they were very... Uh, what's it called? Gratuitous. Yeah. yeah. It was like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that those, I think, were the comparisons between Amadeus and Parliament end, but... Uh, but yeah, it was it was very good. It's incredibly impressively written. I've always told you that. Like, you're, you. you're a very, 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 very strong writer who is better than you're. You're better than your station. Not to give you ideas above your station, mm. but you are better than your station. You should be doing a lot more of that. What does that mean? Uh, I I don't know. I just think yeah, you have a talent that I think could or should anyway feasibly. Uh, you know. It should be recognized. It should be higher. Yeah. You should be doing more. Yeah. Even just writing. I like wonder just publishing how, writing or, or trying to how, do something I with how that. I could get more eyes on my writing. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but it's very impressive. It's more impressive fucking, than most things. I want things. to bring Ballview to the top. Well, I don't know if you have to bring Bold View. No, they're with, coming. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't even try it. No, you pay it forward. But I'm just talking like, you know, as an individual, I think, you know. Your, your talents are wasted somewhat, is what I would say. Well, just by the fact that the shows only run for three weekends and like yeah, yeah, and, that, well, and that's that's, that's great. Nature, and that's that's fine. the nature of the beast, though. I mean, it's not like we're overselling every single night, so obviously the audience is limited in some ways. Yeah, people yeah, and I think see, people um, don't want to see theater. <laughs> well, there's that, and I think you know, also is I think maybe a certain type of person who really appreciates that that kind mm-hmm. of. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, that kind of flowery stuff is definitely not like a big crowd pleaser. Like you say, there'll probably be a show that comes in in a couple of weeks that um, that will you know blow people's fucking minds off, and they'll be roaring and laughing and rolling in the aisles. But it's not as good. The Rage Fairy. Oh, is that coming back? Well, no. I just mean that was a crowd pleaser. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sold out every fucking night. It was crazy. No, for sure. And I've seen plenty of things which are crowd pleasers, and that's fine. But I think. By the way, Rage Fairy was good. I'm not saying Rage Fairy wasn't good. I'm just saying that was <laughs> that was the one that sold out every night. Mm. Although my, although Parliament did quite well. Seems to be yeah, it was oversold. The they night want I was Parliament. There. This is what we've been shouting before every show. <laughs> every time they come in, I, I stand up on the dais in front of the cast and I give like a fucking pump them up speech. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, these fucking livestock. I was like, don't worry if they laugh. They're fucking <laughs> stupid. These livestock, like, you know, like, all you need to be impressing is me. And <laughs> I'm like, gaslight. I'm like an abusive boyfriend. All you need to impress is me. <laughs> no, not a bit. No, yeah, I constantly. But it was very good. Like, oh, thanks, man. Again, really impressive writing. It's the most impressive writing I've seen in any of these things. The, you, you know, the, the things within our sphere. Yeah. But also, like, more so than most fucking movies and stuff. It was really good yeah. writing. So, uh, yeah, it would just be nice to see, uh, you know, not fucking picking the cheese it off your well, sweater it be, it and was, it would be turning nice. up here. It was and- fun to take a crack at a scripted show because I didn't think I was okay. capable of writing one. Well, it's kind of like what I said when we were talking about the hallway, where it was like that was an immersive show, it was scripted, yeah. but it was it was an immersive show, so yeah. the emphasis maybe was on. You know, walking through it. All my shows are scripted. I meant to say a non-immersive show. That's, yeah. yeah, so that's what I mean. And I think I said to you even at the time, I was like, it's, it's really, you can tell the writing is really good, but it's very difficult to concentrate mm. on that or, or, or acknowledge that when you're being assaulted by so much else, mm-hmm. uh, so much other like visual and yeah. audio, you know, sensual, stim- sensory stimuli. Well, right? I'll tease my so next, this worked. I'll yeah, tease this my worked, next worked project. Well. I don't know when it'll get greenlit. It's just going to depend on theater availability. Okay. My next project is going to be a we're hot gonna, priest. We're going to find <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Van Cott and I are it's getting together happen. to one do day, hot one priest. Day hot priest will come. Uh, I'm trying to. My next project is going to be something of a departure. We're leaving the world of. I feel like Parliament <laughs> is almost like uh, Parliament is my uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, where I'm like, this is me doing myself times ten. Okay. You know, like if I've developed a style throughout all the Wolseley stuff in the sure. hallway, it's like Parliament is like the, is the most exaggerated version of that style. Okay, right. So now you're gonna do a mumblecore, like a kind of. Yes. No. <laughs> now, well, no. I'm sure that I will always write with flowery, uh, flowery and silly dialogue. Oh, you can scarcely help yourself. No, I, and I, I prefer that. I don't want to do anything with realistic sounding dialogue. <laughs> what, people talking like Nolan. No. Yeah, that shit sucks. However, how will the, people know how smart I am? The next show I do will be. Well, it'll still be fantastical, but it'll be. It'll be okay. Well, I'll just tell you what it is. It's a noir story. Oh. It's a noir detective story mm. with kid detectives. Oh no! Yes, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> They're on an adventure. <laughs> well, it follow the main, the protagonist, more or less. Oh, first of all, I'll give you the title. It's called "The Many Lives of Abigail Season." It's not the same Abigail Season. No, you can't fucking do that. Well, so this is going to be the fun part. You can't come up with another whimsical name. Well, because here's the thing. <laughs> Well, it's going to make sense. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll bet with you. Abigail Season is going to be a recurring name in all my plays. And the reason is because the we're going to... The reason for the seasons. <laughs> the reason is because we're going to learn in my play. It's going to be like Bioshock Infinite. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or at the end of Bioshock Infinite. But with kids! Bioshock Infinite, you're like, what the fuck does this have to do with Bioshock? And you're like, oh, really nothing. Right. But, so it'll be like that. <laughs> okay. It's going to be because, okay, so the plot, the, the basic outline of the play, and this could all change, is that it's about a guy who's watching a, a porn. A porn. A porno. And he sees his wife in it, who has recently, very recently left him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, that can't be right. But he can't call her um, because whenever he tries to call her, he can't talk. 
literally, like he loses his voice. Um, and so he hires these two kid detectives to get to the bottom of it because he's like, well, how, how Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Kids. So, so he hires it. these two kid right. detectives, a boy and a girl. And they're like, you know, like, they're like, oh, like, you know, 50 cents per case, like that type of thing. Mm. What? You are accidentally ripping someone off. Who? Alan Moore. What? In the show. What? Yeah. The, the His movie, it came out. What the hell are you talking about? Remember that movie where he's got the gold face paint on and he's like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. This is not David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so, then, so then actually I'm just ripping off the person I've been ripping off, <laughs> which is David Lynch, who I still have never seen one of his movies. Oh, no, wait. Who's the guy I'm ripping Terry off? Gilliam, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Who you shamelessly rip all the time. I've never seen. I'm not ever going to now because fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this shit. I'm sure, sick of being told to learn, I'm ripping this guy off. I've never seen any of his fucking do. movies. No, but there's a sequence in the show, the Alan Moore movie, The Show, yeah, uh, where it's a PI who's hired to investigate a disappearance, yeah. but he hits a brick wall, so he hires these kids these kid detectives to help him. I should have done that. And very similarly, they're, well, first of all, they're kind of dressed and they kind of act like old-timey mobsters. I think whenever he interacts with yeah. them, goes into black and white. So they yeah. act like, you know, old-school private dicks. Well, and they charge, I, th- I think they he has to pay them in candy. Just saying. Yeah. That's, uh, well, no, okay, that's a little Okay, but similar. I'm also ripping off a ton of shit. I'm ripping off Mystery Team, the fucking uh, Donald Glover. Remember Derek comedy? No, I've never seen it, no. But that's a similar premise, but it's like the joke is that they're a kid detective agency, but they're all like in their 20s. They just never grew out of it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, it's funny in your idea. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also ripping off. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think kid detect kid detectives are a long-standing trope. No, I know, but to like <laughs> use them in something serious. I'm like, ripping off fucking Bubsy them? Malone. Then, like, what are you talking about? That, that was I'm mob- ripping off that was Brick. No, that was mobsters. No, that was mobsters. Brick is noir, but that's a, that's a high school kid who sort of accidentally. It's not like he is. A, I'm ripping off Blue Velvet. Not a kid. You I'm know, ripping off like, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, like, very specifically, you know, the idea of someone hiring children to investigate something very, like, kind of adult, that uh, that is in the show. I don't give a shit. Okay, no, that's fair. It's, it's, I don't fair. think it's I'm that unique. It's not that unique of an idea. It's fair. I'm just letting you know it's there. Okay, good. And I'll go people... watch the show and steal some more from it. Well, like, I will it, say this. The, the thing, thing is, that I on wish the podcast, we have made fun of Alan Moore promoting the show by saying, <laughs> this is not David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, so now this I'm going to be the guy. What the Wait, fuck well, I'm going to try to do about? press for this one and but be then like, you it's not the show. But then you come out with something. It's like that Alan Moore movie. And this is my fucking compromise. When I was warned, there was a movie called the show, and I'm like, I'm going ahead Anyway. I'm doing it anyway. The show is bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen it, have you? No. You think I fucking went and saw that? Where do you even find it? <laughs> it was it actually turned Does up it like his OnlyFans. No, <laughs> no it, it went missing for a while. I think it got made like two or three years ago, and it just sort of never got released. But then I was yeah. on like Amazon Prime, and it was on Stars. No, yeah, and I, I watched, was like, fucking, yeah, all right, I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, I watched the show. I watched, I watched <laughs> the show. I watched fucking uh, Marilyn Manson's Phantasmagoria. Which doesn't exist. I, I watched but, yeah. uh, Penn Jillette's director's cut. That does exist, and you should watch it. <laughs> I think Phantasmagoria exists somewhere, doesn't it? No, he never made it. it what he made was like a, a kind I watched of sizzle the, reel for it. I watched the oft-mentioned on this podcast abusive sex tape that he made with Trent Reznor that somehow they've not been canceled. Well, he has, I guess. He's, yeah, he's he, been rightfully he, he's canceled. Well let's canceled. fucking... Let's not, I, I Trent hesitate. Reznor actually threw him under the bus. 
That's funny. He was like, I haven't worked with him for a while. It's like, well, yeah, aren't you? You're named and shamed in his book a few times. Yeah, for literally, I mean, like, <laughs> literally, I have. It's, it's going to bum everyone out. But if you read his <laughs> his autobiography, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell, he just flagrantly talks about basically sexually assaulting someone I on guess, camera. I guess the excuse could be like uh, it was kind of heightened. You know, high, exaggerated oh, or just sure. made up. You oh, know? sure. Russ, the Russ McCamey defense. Well, no, it also may well be made up. Like, I, I wouldn't put it past Marilyn Manson to back when it was cool to yeah. lie about how cool he is yeah. and like how fucking hardcore and evil he is. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him to lie about it. So I guess that's true. It could be a case of that. But I, I mean, fucking dude, if, if you believe that any person who was in that kind of scene with that level of fame in the 90s wasn't a like, come on. Yeah. Very few I could think of where I'm like, no, they were probably fine. Have we talked about it on this podcast? The guy from Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath. Yeah, yeah, you've told me about the the weird porn thing they did. Well, yeah, he's being interviewed <laughs> and he's like literally just openly laughing about how he fucks like 13 and 14 year old girls. Yeah, but he's tugging on his fucking collar right about now. But then again, no one gives a shit. Yeah, like, he's not relevant about so fucking Sugar yeah. Ray or. But he's on Cameo, so I, I could ask him about it. <laughs> For a modest fee. Imagine he answers. <laughs> He's like, that's how skinty is right I'm, now. He's I'm like, I need that 45 clear the bucks. Air on this. If you go through, you know, you can see a few of the recent ones they've yeah. done. Maybe we just go through and every single it's one is like, Listen. I, I said some stuff. I may have done some stuff. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the show, actually, you should watch it. It's not bad. It, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit muddled. It's a bit, there are some bits that don't work. Some bits I would, don't land. I think I would never make a movie. Alan Moore is quite good in it. <laughs> As an actor? Yeah, he's not in it much. He's only, like, mostly, he's only in it um, very briefly, kind of towards the oh, end. Wait, hold on. You're contradicting yourself here. You say mercifully, and then you all said he was I good I think in if it. he was in it too much, then you would have seen the limitations. He's a he plays one of the kid detectives. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I think, obviously, there's kind of limitations, but the character that he created, and, he, and I was surprised how well he played it. I thought it was just going to be Alan Moore being like, yes, it's magic. Yeah. But he's a bit better than that. Icon. <laughs> He's a bit better now. He has very cool, um, very cool makeup. A very good getup going on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's it's worth watching. It's kind of funny. It's actually there's a weird twist in it. I'll say this: the idea of a real detective hiring the kid detectives is very funny, and I wish I would have come up with it. Ah, well, there you go. But instead, this guy funny. goes direct to the source because he doesn't have a car, and they're the nearest detective agency to him because they just run out of their front yard. Yeah, and in the show, he finds it in, uh, on like a, a window in a in a off license. Yeah, yeah. I'm also vaguely ripping off a comic book by Daniel Klaus called uh, like Velvet Glove Cast in Iron, which is about like a guy who goes to a porno theater and he sees like a smut film and he's mm. like trying to investigate the origins of it. Well, that that's a pretty common uh, plot. Yeah, like, like seeing a mysterious a mysterious film. A millimeter. Yeah. There's a great yeah. Spanish film called Tesis, which is kind of the same, hmm. uh, which involve like, well, in, in those cases, it's like porn slash snuff films where they've been hired to investigate the victim. Yeah, and there's also, um, I don't know, isn't there some, gosh, what is it? It's one of those podcasts, like one of those fiction podcasts that was relatively popular. In the, are you like me, where every six months you go to Google and you say best horror podcasts? I've given up on that. They're all rubbish. they're all fucking shit. Yeah. But I used to do it every. There's like, one called Video Palace that was a bit no, like that. I don't know that one. Yeah, that was a that was a podcast. Which ooh, another thing. Bad tape. Another thing. I'm not ripping it off, but uh, <laughs> one thing that I will probably eventually rip off. Yes, John Darnielle. 
Wolf and White Band. Oh, I fucking love Wolf and White Band. <laughs> Wolf and White I still Band. haven't finished. I didn't it's like it much. So good. Yeah. Wolf and White Band is so good. Uh, his second novel, Universal Harvester, is not quite as good. It's a little slower, but it has a more interesting premise, mm-hmm. which is that uh, it's about a kid who works at a video store in the middle of like you know rural Nevada. And uh, he works at this video store, and this girl comes back to him and is like, hey, this tape's all weird. Yeah. He's like, whatever. And then he goes, and like enough people, like, I think enough people say it to the point where he goes and watches the. No, what it is is he brings home, his dad is like a recent widower in Paradise, and he brings home uh, the videotape to watch, and his dad falls asleep. And as he's watching it, in the middle of the tape, it scratches out. And there's just like footage of someone with a bag over their head tied to a chair. Mm. And he's like, that's fucked up. That's definitely not part of the movie. And then he goes through all the tapes and like various random tapes throughout the, the video store have different pieces of this like snuff footage, well, basically. Fun. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah. It's an ARG. ARG. Wolf and White Van's an ARG too. The motherfucker yeah. loves Wolf and White Van is literally an ARG. Do you, yeah. do you, I don't know if you finished it or even no, got... No, I didn't. I, I don't know I, if you even got very far in I it. I got but, four chapters in and I was Yeah, like, so this. it's about it's about him literally he's doing running like RPGs, an ARG. Isn't he? It's like, well, yeah, like, but it's an tabletop ARG. Tabletop kind of stuff, right? But it's an ARG. Okay, it's an ARG. Well, no, it is supposed to be tabletop. It's such a cool premise, which I'm going to steal one day. That's something I'm really going to rip off. Because I'm going to rip off the action. <laughs> You've been warned. Well, and the book is about how you shouldn't do it too, so I'm really gonna get in trouble. <laughs> but it's it's this idea of it's a mail in tabletop RPG basically. So it goes really slow, but they he has this map and he has all these index cards. Like he has like the whole world in game mapped out, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, All right, here's your character, here's what you're doing, and he's like, You're at this part of the desert. Right. And what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And they might say, I want to dig around or I want to go east or whatever. And they mail back their move with two single dollar bills in the envelope plus the letter with what they want to do. And then he says, here's what happened to you next. What do you want to do? So it's like a very slow going D&D game uh-huh. that can go on forever as long as people pay two dollars per move. Right. Yeah. Um, but what ends up happening is he ends up communicating with these with this one couple who's playing together. And they put their move basically as a PS at the end of these really long letters that are like very personal. And they start detailing like how they're kind of going a little bit mad and they're taking the game a little too seriously. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is the couple ends up dying because they're actually following what he says to do in the game. So they end up going out into the desert and like dying of consumption. Right. Uh, and then, and, and it's like the whole thing is about how like he's innocent and he was wrongfully accused, but then you slowly find out that he like, has been doing this with other people, like weird fucked up shit. Like he's taught, he like is messaging with someone with like self mutilation problems. Mm-hmm. And he just like sticks a scalpel in the envelope when he sends it back one day. So it's just like, it's very cool. He's also, he's also physically deformed cause he tried to shoot himself in the head with a rifle and he just blew his face off. Right. So he just stays inside running this game all day. It's such a good book. It's uh, really creepy yeah. and cool. Wait, this is, um, this is all Wolf and White Wolf Band. and White Band yeah. still. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. It's sitting on the shelf. I'll, I'll give it another go at some point. Yeah, Daniel's a great writer. I mean, he really is. Yeah, it's, he's you, good. I think it's good. You know, just because you, you would expect him to write about like a young musician who fucking. No, like, I didn't expect that. Yeah, not maybe not him, but you would expect when a musician goes and writes a novel that it's going to be yeah. some wanky. But it's like his well, shit is all. I mean, uh, it's not that, wanky at all. Well, from my vet, it was to me. How I, so? I mean, I, I'm struggling to remember what happened really in the chapters I read, but it was like. It reminded me a little bit of, you know, 
uh, live journal blogs a little bit. Like, you know, it's very. Uh, so there I am looking at the cracks in the ceiling and observing the, the vagaries between the blame, blame, blame. And I'm like, oh, fucking. That's good writing, bro. Shit. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll give it another go. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. I only tried one sitting. So, I mean, let, let's be clear. It's no parliament. There's no parliament. <laughs> um, it's no actually, the mini-lives of Abigail season. All that stuff about sending a, a letter with a scalpel and stuff like that actually reminded me. I, I would be remiss not to promote Ian Heath's show that he's got. I want to see it. It's really, really good. Yeah. I was surprised how good it was. Because I, I knew, obviously, it's my, uh, he's doing it at my Did he write it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wrote it all himself, wrote, researched, and performed it entirely himself. Um, it's at my wife's venue, so she was involved in, like, she helped produce the video and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think it was her idea in the first place, but he took it and ran with it. And fucking boy, did he run with it. Um, yeah. He, so it's uh, it's kind of got this Twilight Zone um, wraparound, uh, kind of, you know. Like a, like a tells uh, tells of the unexpected or um, you know what, what are those shows that talk yeah. about talk about mysterious things unexplained mysteries unexplained mysteries that, yeah. right yeah it's called Mysterians i.e. Mister Ians uh, Myster- oh I didn't think about that yeah Mysterians mysterious mm-hmm. mysteries and yeah. this is the first entry about Jack the Ripper so it's just like a kind of blow by blow account of the history of Jack the Ripper's murders and the investigation and the, the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Um, so Ian's recorded like a whole hour long video as a kind of narrator, but he interacts with Ian on stage who plays every single character. That's fun. And, uh, is kind of constantly shifting and like kind of explains it's, it's hard to explain, but it's very, it's far better than I expected it could be. I legitimately thought that it was, um, I thought it was a filmed thing that you could quote unquote buy a ticket to online. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned when you told me that I mentioned yeah. that to Rachel. I think yeah, they're, probably the way it looks because it looks quite similar to another thing she did, which which was just filmed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think they. I, I can't remember if she said she was gonna. Alter yeah, I didn't that even realize bit. it was a show. It is, and and it's a really really good one. And Ian, I mean, Ian's always great. But like, how long is it running? Do you think they'll extend it? Probably I don't think so. No, do, I think right? after this one, they're doing another one about Roswell. Oh, well, I'll just go see that one then. Yeah, but it would be a shame to miss this one. It was very good. But you have to. Is it only running one more weekend? Yeah, one more night. Is there a Sunday show? No. Fuck. Uh, no, it's on Friday at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., so you can't do it. I'm be doing a piece of shit fucking parliament. <laughs> <laughs> just cancel that one. Stupid <laughs> fucking I got piece of else shit parliament. No, it was really good, and I actually took my parents to see it. Uh, because they, they'd been asking like, Oh, I'd like to see one of these things one day. And Rachel thought this would be a good one to, to bring them in. Didn't on. take them to see not... parliament, huh? <laughs> no, although they would like to, if, if, um, I, I would tell them to go see it. If you'd be happy with them going. Sure. Yeah. Although now it's going to be in the shit theater. Uh, we've actually Meg Colburn found, uh, so me, David and Meg were hanging out in the shit theater. How are we going to make this interesting? We found a good way. Candlelight. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of candlelight, but we also just redesigned it to where there's not so many, there's not levels anymore like there used to right. be. But now what we did do is we, like I said, picture frames have become a motif in the show. So we painted a picture frame on the wall mm-hmm. and then the dais is above that. So when they take the dais, it's like they're standing in a painted picture frame on the wall when they right. deliver their thing. So it looks really cool. And then we're going to have candlelight everywhere else. There, there's still stairs. There's just only one set of stairs. So I don't want to put only one team on the stairs. Right. We're going to have lamps throughout the thing so like it'll be a little bit more it's much more intimate it'll feel very immersive Mm -hmm. uh it'll be good 
Okay. Well, I might, I, I might suggest I, – I did the – she asked me how it was, my mom, who, who mm-hmm. loves you, as we all know. Yes, she does. And uh, she asked me how it was. She was like, oh, was it shit? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it wasn't. It was good. Mm-hmm. And um, she, said, Are you she, sure? she asked what the plot was, and I kind of tried to explain it. Um, and she seemed interested. So I'm, I may pitch it to them. I may say, you know what? You should go and see that. Maybe send them on the Sunday show. Okay. I'm sorry, the Saturday Sun- show. Sunday's Mother's Day. The Saturday show. Yeah. Okay. Because the Friday show will be our first time doing it in that space. So with, with, with okay. no rehearsal. You've heard. So... <laughs> if you're planning on getting a ticket for Friday, just don't. Yeah. Let them do it by themselves. There's also some <laughs> weird shit with the ticketing on our Saturday show that I need to fucking text some people about. We okay. have like 20 tickets sold and they belong to two names. And I'm like, this has to be a mistake. Oh, uh, no. Maybe it's a psyop. Well, no. It'll be like... It's this this one guy in particular, this little fucking idiot. He fucking his tickets got moved from one date to another, but then he like he he bought two tickets for the wrong date. I moved them, and then I saw that he bought two more tickets for the new date. So I'm like, did he just not think I moved them and tried to cover his bases? And then he bought two more tickets. And so there's just this one name with one ticket each. And I'm like, is he just slowly getting more friends or is he a fucking moron? And I'm going to have six seats missing for this one short moron. There are some people you wonder how they get up in the morning. Right. Well, and then yeah. I have another person who is the mother of someone in our cast who bought seven tickets. <laughs> but then someone in our cast, the same, that person's daughter, bought four tickets. And I'm like, are, did you guys not communicate about this? Are you, are you, Right. Or do you actually have 11 people coming that night? Sort it out. If you do, great. If not, I need to refund some tickets and clear up these spaces because the tickets are actually weirdly moving for the final weekend. Yeah. And I would want to make sure that nobody gets stiffed, locked out. Yeah. yeah. And then we have a fucking empty theater with fucking three people taking <laughs> up 47 <laughs> seats. Hey, hey. <laughs> this is our show. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But, uh, since, well, since it doesn't seem like you'll be able to go to it, I do recommend other people go to uh, Ian's show. It was very good. And uh, my parents, sorry, like I said, I took my parents, uh, who are not theater goers at all. Right. And I was worried, you know, like, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, a very low-rent production, and it's a one-man show. That's a hard ask. Yeah. Especially if you don't know. Like, I know Ian, and I know he's a really good actor, and whatever he but does. they don't is, know that, yeah. Yeah, they don't know that. I'm just there saying, hey, he's an actor. He's doing a one-man show about Jack the Ripper. You, I would think to myself, like, ugh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> do, oh, I, yeah. do I want to sit there for an hour? If I heard that, I'd be like, ugh, until someone said Ian Heath, and I'd be like, ooh. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, they took the plunge and went, and uh, my mom really liked it, and my dad liked it so much... That he wants to do his own show. What? Yeah. This blew my fucking mind. Instantly afterwards, he said he wants to do his own. Not only write one, but p- p- perform one. Holy shit. I know. I would I can't never wait. have expected that. Oh, my God. Is it going to happen? It has to. I don't know. I don't know. But like, certainly Rachel was like, yes, do it. Right now. Like, tomorrow. Uh, and I was like, uh, well, you know, think about it. Like, right, it it's first. difficult. You know, yeah. it's very difficult, especially what Ian Heath does. You know, keeping it engaging for mm-hmm. over an hour, just basically by himself. Yeah, that's really hard. Like, that's like, uh, and physically demanding too. In Ian's case, for sure. Um, and but my dad, he's got it. He's got something in his mind. He's 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 working on it. And I was like, that's. You know, so that's how impressive that show was. It, it could turn my dad into yeah. someone who's like, I'm now a I who was dreading going. I could tell. Like, yeah. He was like, I don't even want to see her. He's like, I'm a thespian now. Yeah, now he's like, I, I will do it also. 
That's how good it was. That's how good it was. It, it inspired him. That's that's crazy. My dad doesn't really do anything anymore. So like, yeah, that, yeah, that's quite something. It's good that's quite shit. Um, so yeah, that's I don't, you know, that's I don't think I want him to come to Parliament now. Like, that was shit. No, uh, compared so, to Ian's uh, track the Ripper, uh, this something of a theater going now. And uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they would like it. I, I think they would like it. Uh, something like my mom would like it for the language, if nothing else. And she likes that type of stuff. I think so. Yeah, I actually it was quite funny. I went uh, every time I go to their house. Every now and then they still get stuff sent back from the UK, stuff that we had in storage or whatever. So you, in like kind of because we amassed a bunch of stuff and then we moved to with basically none of it mm-hmm. and so we've sort of slowly been figuring out ways to get some of that stuff over to us uh including a bunch of books and she has every now and then i look through and i go oh shit i'll take that and, and that because i know she's not reading them anymore yeah but they're books from when like when she was in uh, university so in like the, the early 70s so first of all they're really nice old copies of yeah. books which I, I think the 70s for whatever reason they'd cool they stuff. just have really good printing like yeah. I, I like the way they're printed i like the paper i like the feel they nice smell great. cloth covers sometimes too if it's a hardback yeah yeah no that, most of these are paperbacks but they're they're just really nice but yeah. so I, I i saw she had um you know both sections of faust so i was like oh i'll take that i've never read faust yeah. Um, I, I, everyone knows the story kind of by the influence but I've never on actually, Parliament and the influence on Parliament, but I've never actually read it myself. Which Faust, the Milo or the Goethe? Goethe, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it was nice. So I got those books from her. I looked through, and she'd written like shit tons of notes. Now I don't think of my lo- my mom as a particularly literary person. It's not like we sit around talking about books and great works mm-hmm. of literature and stuff like that. Like that's never. Never really been the case, but it's kind of funny to see, oh, wow. Like, she was writing very, very um, intricate notes on a lot, like, you know, would, mm-hmm. like, link to paragraphs that she'd written at the back and stuff like that. Yeah. Being like, well, the themes of this one. I'm like, oh, fucking yeah. Yeah, good for you. That's cool. So I think, yeah, she would ap- appreciate the, the yeah. flowery nature of, of, oh, yeah. of this. The Goethe of North Hollywood. Of course, when I asked her about that, she was like, I don't even remember if I've read Faust. I was like, well, you, you apparently have. You've like, read Faust. Of- yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, maybe baby. maybe I'll try and bring them out. Yeah, try and get them out to that. They'd probably like it. All right. Well, I've really got a pee, and I think we're probably done, right? So yeah. why don't we uh, why don't we close this out on something something nice? So you have your kid detective show coming up. It's 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 uh <laughs> it's called the Many Lives of Abigail Season. Mm-hmm. It's about a man who discovers his recently estranged wife in a porno. Hires kid detectives to get to the bottom of it. Turns out that it's a sort of interdimensional conspiracy. It unfolds in various ways. Yeah. He finds out that there's one of his wife in every dimension. And he sees if perhaps this is his chance to reconcile. Yeah. So basically, if you like Alan Moore's The Show... God damn it. (laughs) Uh, Parliament is running for one more weekend, two nights, Friday and Saturday, I believe. Oh, no, Sunday. Friday and Saturday. Oh, just Friday and Saturday. Okay. Night shows, 8.30. 8.30. I didn't want to close the show on a Sunday. I felt like... I was like, I want to close on a big party. Saturday big party, night. right. Okay. Saturday. Idle hour. No fucking dinners at Little Tony's and Fat Dog anymore. <laughs> Idle no, That hour. was my weekend off, dude. I'm, I'm gone now. Like, I'm, 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 Where are you going? I'm not gone. I'm just... Uh, I have business to take care of here. Mostly involving a child. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that go. was my weekend. That was my big weekend. That's why I was trying to maximize it. I was like, I we got a babysitter I every night. I scrunched my nose and looked around when he said business to take care of here as if to say what? Yeah, no, there's not much else going on. Dogs, cats, and a baby. But, yeah. um, all right, so you got Parliament. Uh, I would also, well, first of all, I'd highly suggest Parliament, although if 
if you've listened this far, then the whole show has been spoiled and it's not worth seeing anymore. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> I'll email you the script. Well, no, buy the oh, script please do. when it's published. I'll, I'll, no, fucking no, you, you all me. email you can, the script. You can send it you to me. You all email the script. I'm telling the listeners. Okay. But you can yeah. also send me the script for free, please, because I've, yeah. I feel like I've paid my way. Um, yes. And as far as other things go, yeah, if you haven't seen uh, Mysterians Mysterious Mysteries, I believe it's 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Friday mm-hmm. at the Count's Den. That is well worth seeing. I would highly suggest seeing that. Yes. Um, is it better than Parliament? Well, who knows? Who, we'll, we'll only find out when we're there. Exactly. You'll only you find out see if both. you see them both. Mm-hmm. So pay up. All right, I got to pee really bad, so that's that's going to be the ending. I think there it is. Then uh, congratulations on your show. It was Thank a very you. nice show. Thank you. I feel like uh, you know you're you're getting a big head, and you're letting the fame get to it. Oh, oh, I hope to one day, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna really lose touch with the common man. Uh, one day I'm gonna bump into you outside the subway, and you're gonna complain about the <laughs> about, sandwich. Yeah, when I buy. you're buying me a sandwich because yeah. I'm homeless. <laughs> I don't know about this uh, Italian BMT here. <laughs> so I got you the Mountain Goats tickets. You were like, well, it's standing it's like really general admission. <laughs> yeah, it's like one row of front. Yeah. Like, hmm. uh, hmm. It was okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I guess. Oh, man. All right. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Take it easy.